asking Sol citizens to report for duty. And greetings, greetings, welcome back to the Soul Citizens. I am Griffin Gaming RPG, and we're back on Sunday, May the 14th, Mother's Day. Happy to all you mothers out there. <laughs> but I hope you guys. Uh, yeah, that's a, that you mothers, that's you guys too, by the way. But uh, we want to say happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there grandmothers, aunts, sisters, cousins, whatever they are that happen to be mothers. Without mothers, where would we be, BBG? We'd be nowhere fast. Nowhere. Right? Nowhere fast. And it's good to see you. I absolutely agree. Whether you missed a mom, right? I don't care what kind of mom you had. We all the moms celebrate. Yep. My mother is 88. Woo! God bless you. That's amazing. 88, and, brother. Uh, yeah. She got a three score and 10. That's good. That's right. We're mm -hmm. just excited to have her around. And then my wife, you know, she, she got taken care of by the kids today. So that's oh, great. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah, we went out, my family went out yesterday, and then we took my mom, who's 99, uh, to church today. Oh, wow. She hadn't been to church since, you know, before, she didn't come out during the winter. So uh, we went about seven months, I guess, and she had been there. And so, of course, people were happy to see her and everything. And it was Mother's Day, you know, all that good stuff, too. So, right. yeah, so we had a we had a good day. 99, God bless her. Yeah, she's six months from that 100 mark, so we'll see what happens, you know. Yeah, um, but yeah, it was outstanding. A great, weekend. great weekend. Listen, it's good to have you on. Uh, welcome again to Soul Citizens. I'm here with my uh, Big Black Gaming, one of our Soul Citizens, our new uh, co-producer. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just messing with Fastcart because he's not here. Uh, Fastcart's um, out of town. As you guys know, Fastcart on certain holidays travels to go visit with his family. And so he is having a great Mother's Day weekend, hopefully with his family and his mom. Uh, so I uh, just want to know we're thinking about him. He might be even watching. Who knows if he's going to sneak in and watch us? He might be kind of evaluate you to make sure you don't take his spot, BBG. So you have to listen. I'm just trying. I'm just ashes in the trail. He blazes <laughs> all day. I'll agree you with you mean? that he definitely blazes a trail. I give nothing else. I give you that. He burns it up every week. I give you that. <laughs> so anyway, um, okay. You know, sometimes. BBG, we do shows and the titles are pretty obvious and sometimes we do them and they're a little bit obscure. So let's talk a little bit about what this show is today. Um, the title of this show, as you guys see, is Where Do We Go From Here? And BBG, I have been kind of noting that the path of development for Star Citizen has been pretty obvious. You know, there's a lot, there was focus on getting ready for PES, the next big step is going into server meshing, pyro, but it's real easy to forget about things that CIG maybe has talked about that we know have been in the works. Sometimes they're still in the works. Sometimes they start on it and then there's a break in between it. And then of course, there's always the joy of theory crafting, right? What are those things yes. that the community wants to see or would like to see in the game? Or maybe Chris talked about 10 years ago, some people maybe never even heard of, right? So right. we're going to try to cover some of that today, right? And we got some fresh Very ideas. Exciting. And, 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 you know, we, we are walking that line, you know, because what we don't want to do is connote the idea of, well, because they mentioned it, we're owed it. 
Yes. Right? Yes. Yes. We talked um, about that, right? <laughs> yeah. We talked about that. But what we want to do is say, hey, um, how can we imagine when these things might come into the game? Yeah. Right. Yeah. That now we have this time frame and we can see the systems that would surround some of these things mm -hmm. and say, okay, maybe yeah. this is, maybe this is the times. Yeah. And you know, we are going to, so I want to say to BBG's point, some of the stuff we're going to talk about, we're going to say, this is what CIG told us. And then some of the stuff's going to be stuff that's our conjecture, things that we kind of think, Hey, maybe this is the direction you're going. And then there's just going to be some straight fanciful stuff, just some stuff that we just going to come up with because we think is a cool factor to it. And it's something that we would like to see. So we're going to ask that you guys help contribute. Yes. When we get to certain topics, if there's ideas and things you think would be cool to see in the game, um, feel free to toss them in. And if we see something cool, we may talk about it. Uh, just we're so you're talking that chat. We're yeah. talking it. Yeah. And, and by the way, um, uh, we're not going to hit every topic there is. I mean, Star, as you guys know, Star Citizen is very unique. It, it's not focused on any one particular type of gameplay or genre. There's a whole bunch of stuff that it could be to a whole bunch of different people. These are just the things that we just kind of snatched up, just a few of them that we thought would be pretty interesting to talk about in light of where the game is going. So just kind of bear with that, okay? So let's put the waiver up. This is not uh, CIG approved authorized information necessarily, unless we say so. If we say CIG said it, or if you want to ask, does CIG say that? We'll tell you, yeah, they, this is something they said, okay? Yeah, how did Jared say that this is, uh, doesn't represent Robert yeah, Space, it, Robert Space Industry or any of its subsidiaries. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Okay, so we're going to go ahead and start jumping in because we got quite a few things here that we want to share with you guys and definitely want to get your feedback on. Um, BBG, right before the show, you were asking me about the new ship that's being released and, you know, um, weapons is always a big deal for people. You and I were joking around about tricking out certain ships and, you know, what you could do with them. But outside of ship weapons, which is something that everybody really gets focused on, there's some uh, FPS, right, type of weapons that CIG has talked about in the past. And some people may not even know that these things have existed. So I want to kind of maybe start out with some of those first yeah. and then we can kind of build on it. And one of the first ones I want to go back to, and I don't know if you remember, if you remember this at all, do you remember the faction nine baton? Did you remember this one? When I saw it, I said, I seen that. <laughs> and then I saw what it came with we'll talk about mm -hmm. it yeah and then i remembered that there were some things that were attached to that yeah yeah well go ahead why don't you go ahead and read it and fill people in on what the scoop is with it then okay okay the faction nine baton is an upcoming non-lethal handheld stun device made by rusimov Re rehabilitation systems it was previously offered through the advocacy tools add-on package and we'll talk about that that also contains the M34 restraint system, and it came with the Cutlass Blue during its initial concept sale. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had to go back into the, I had to dive deep into the crates, <laughs> give you some DJ talk. I had to go up into crates, Grip. When I saw that, I was like, oh, when did I hear, did I hear about this? When did I, I couldn't remember. Yeah. And it yeah, wasn't until that back. last part of the sentence mm -hmm. with that, I was like, oh yeah, they, mm -hmm. they gave you a whole bunch of of cop tools, essentially. Right, exactly. Because the, the, the Avenger 
in lore was the advocacies. Basically, it was their police patrol ship. That's what it was. Right. You're absolutely right. And if you got in on that original concept by of the Cuddy Blue, and those of you who were around back in the day, you remember the Cuddy Blue. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Used to have jail cells in it. That was the only version there was. There was no cargo variant, no warlock variant. You just got that one. And part of the package was you were going to get this, this stun baton. Now, the reason why I'm mentioning this is because CIG has gone... I'm curious to know whether they're going to still follow up on it, right? Because it was a part of the package, right? And what you guys see on the screen right now is in the pirate pack, <clears throat> they still listed the advocacy tools as a part of that. Um, my question to you, BBG, is, you know, we haven't seen it, right? And we know that this whole bounty hunter thing is becoming a thing that they want to do. We finally got the Cutlass Blue redone right, with the jail cells in it and all that stuff. Um, they did show us this, though, and this was something, different manufacturer, because you mentioned this was Rousimov Rehabilitation. They did show us this thing called the Preacher, right? And this was just recently, within like the last year or so, year two, year two years. Yeah, and, and it like got us excited again about stun yeah. gameplay. <laughs> yeah, non-lethal non gameplay, right? Right. Um, I, I guess I see to a certain degree is there a role for both of these, a baton and a stun gun, or will one serve the purpose and you think the, the, the stun baton might be out the window? I, I don't know. What do you think? Well, I think you can imagine stun as as melee, right? Okay. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah versus the, the this. Baton, yeah. The baton, I think, will be a melee tool. Mm -hmm. And the um, I can imagine NPCs of a certain level walking around with that tool, right? Yeah. Um, and when you go the wrong way mm. or, or run through customs or whatever, you might get whacked on the back of the neck mm. <laughs> <laughs> and, and wake up in a cell. Mm. Um, but I see the preacher tool as, as a, a shoot, uh, a taser that will have, yeah, you know, projectiles like and gun, mm -hmm. yeah, gun functionality, right? Mm -hmm. You, you will holster it like that. You will, um, shoot it. Right. Um, you'll have to reload cartridges. Mm. Right. Yeah. Where I, I can imagine the baton will be a consistent stun melee tool. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That, that's great. And that's great thinking about melee versus full FPS, right? You know, something where it's being point, point and shoot type of thing. Give a shout out right. to Thrakazogs. Thank you. And Cataclysm. Thank you both for those Absolutely. subs. Appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. As always. Um, yeah. I, you know, again the baton thing was so way back like you said you do have to dig back in the crates because that was just something that if you weren't around back then it's never been really any sales in fact there's a lot of items that used to go up on the direct store that you used to be able to get that now aren't there anymore not to mention my 88 key piano that i want y'all i keep talking about that um, but <laughs> but there are other things and and since you mentioned about the advocacy piece there is a part two to what was supposed to come with the advocacy piece the m34 restraint system now you guys have seen this when you come out of your hab and there's that glass counter downstairs in the lobby. And when you look in there, you see these particular restraints. Um, now, yeah. again, you know, CIG, they put stuff in the game and we always talk about how much a lot of times when something goes in the game, it's there because there's going to be a purpose for it later. I don't know why when you come out of your hab, BBG, that you would have to buy cuffs. Maybe the real deal is that when you buy them before you go up to your half, maybe that's what the deal is. I don't know. Maybe you're doing some 
you know, some stuff up there that <laughs> you need some cups, but they think, sell them in the, the other economy. <laughs> the, other, <laughs> the other economy. Um, okay, but these that are the other economy. The M34 restraints is an upcoming personal restraining device made by ENI. It was previously offered through the advocacy tools add on package that also contains the Faction 9 baton, and it came with the Cutlass Blue during the initial concept sale. Now, one thing I want to touch on this BBG in particular is that these are two manufacturers we have never seen yet. We haven't seen ENI, and to your point, we haven't seen the Rosimov rehabilitation systems. So I am kind of curious about, you know what I mean, uh, whether this will happen. I know CIG has talked about other manufacturers, whether it's clothing or whatever, that they're going to bring into the game. But it's just kind of funny that these two were mentioned so early in development, yet they haven't shown up yet producing anything in the game other than lore, you know. Well, I think I think it's a nuance to the bounty hunter uh, career path, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the nuance of hitting somebody, cuffing somebody, putting somebody in a cell mm-hmm. is next level. It's bounty hunting 2.0, right? Yeah. Whereas it's much easier to turn a body on and off, you know, get a kill mm-hmm. for bounty hunting right now, and that's why we've had this abiding bounty hunting function. Yeah. But this is that next level. So I definitely see missions where the mission giver will say things like, you lose if this person is dead. I need them alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And the only yeah. way to bring them in alive is with tools like this. Right? Okay. okay. So let me ask you this then. Let's talk about, because you know with CIG, there's always the clause that things can change, right? The other thing that CIG has shown us just recently, just like they did with the preacher, was they showed us these. Now, these were the Banu cuffs that we saw in the video reunion, which were like an electronic bond, right? So you've got these cuffs that are on people that you can activate and deactivate that, you know, have this electronic bond. Do you think that maybe we'll migrate from what was this to that? Or will they produce, you know, will they produce them both? I mean, I, I, I almost wondered, does this serve the same purpose as this? You know, what do you think? I, so I, I, I looked at them funny for a second because I was like, Griff pulling out stuff I ain't never seen before. Then you mentioned the video. And I was like, oh, yeah. And she used that Banu phrase. Right, 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 right. To, to lock them in. Right. And I was like, yeah, okay. Or maybe, these are you, maybe they're that, unique to that. You know what I'm saying? I mean, maybe these aren't common cuffs, but these are one of those items that you got to find. I don't think Banu cuffs would be laying around. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. My hope is that this is the type, and I have a whole set of hopes for mm-hmm. how we begin to experience alien cultures in an emergent gameplay way, right? Like mm-hmm. I really want, and they never said this, but I really want an experience where you sort of got to earn your way into alien space and alien systems. And there are border <laughs> systems where you get missions. And that for me would be the place to begin to see these alien, alien tech. Mm-hmm. Of things, mm-hmm. right? As loot, mm-hmm. right? So as you earn more and more reputation to be able to move into those spaces, you begin to see more and more of these things. And that gives them time, right, to begin to think about um, all the stuff that they're thinking about with regard to alien cultures. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. His divine shadow in the chat cracking me up. Yeah. I'm like, you're friend of the I'm like, that's the wrong way to go. <laughs> but... <laughs> Good luck. Yeah, yeah, for real. Um. <laughs> But I, I, yeah, I, I do think that these will end up in game, but they, I, I hope that they will be part of 
you know, and, and when, and when you come back to human space and someone says, where'd you get those, mm. you get to say things like, oh, this is about when you're, you know, able to make your way into, you know, real bad new space, you mm -hmm. get to get access to these types of things. And it, and it brings a certain value to it, right? You know, right. in the sense of it's unique um, or even rare, you know, depending on how they want to classify it. But it definitely drives you now. If I'm a bounty hunter and this particular set is, a, you know, you know, if I'm a bounty hunter, would I prefer to have this over the one we just looked at a second ago? Heck yeah. You know what I mean? So that's now giving me motivation to either spend the money, right, on economy-wise or venture out exploration-wise, right? Or trade, trade-wise, you know I mean? It, it makes me go into these other aspects of the game beyond that I can just simply go to a store. Now, I'm also saying that because CIG's just recently announced that they're gonna start removing items from the store that we've been used to getting, which we have to remember was only there for testing purposes, not for game mechanics purposes, but for testing. Now the game mechanic or the gameplay mechanic is gonna be some of those items you will have to get either through interaction with NPCs or looting, or as you mentioned, exploration. And some people are all bent out of shape. Oh, the gun I'm used to getting, I can't get it no more. It's not in the shop. It was never intended to stay in the shop. Just so you all know, you don't wanna break your hearts, but that was just there for testing purposes. But these things do need to be scattered if we wanna explore, because if you can just go to the, you know, um, what's the place called? Cubby Blast and buy everything you need. Well, I just go to Cubby Blast all the time. I got a Cubby Blast and a center mass at R Corp. You know what I mean? I ain't got to go nowhere right. else. If I want that particular armor, that particular weapon, that particular whatever it is, that's what's going to cause me to go out and work. I hate to say that, y'all, but that's what it really comes down to. You know, you got to well, work. Well, they got to have, Griff, they got to have a function that drives you out into the world to do things. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And you got to put good stuff out in the world. Mm -hmm. Right. And so to your point, I like it. Yeah. When they have these things that shake up the community and remind them we're in a testable alpha. Mm. His divine shadow. Oh yeah, to zombie pig. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, but I, I like it when we get reminded that we're in a testable alpha and it shakes folks up because <laughs> you got new generations of people coming in all the time mm -hmm. and everybody has to be reminded yeah. that we're testing stuff. This is not the gameplay configuration, even when they switch it, that's not yet the final configuration, right? But we got to get used to certain things and, yeah. and, and we got to give them feedback on that too. Yeah. Right. So very true. Very true. Now this next item, some of y'all ain't never seen or heard, or if you have seen it, I bet you don't know the story behind it. <laughs> now I bet this is going to ruffle some feathers here, Jack. I guarantee you this is going to ruffle some feathers. All right. Let's talk about this. Okay, for those of you, you all may remember showing the CIG showing us this a little while ago, y'all, okay? But I wanna go back and talk about this first. The Ultiflex Novia Crossbow, what a name, right? That's again, that's another manufacturer we ain't seen before, okay? It's a crossbow currently in development. It is a cross-promotional item with Shroud of Avatar Forsaken Virtues. It will be available in-game to all players. Shroud of the Avatar, Backers will simply receive the crossbow with an exclusive skin. As of 21 to 01 January, the crossbow has progressed through final art and is handed over to the tech art to finalize the rig. As of 318, the crossbow is not in game. Now, I'm mentioning in this because a lot of people weren't around back in the day when Chris Roberts was in support of uh, Lord Garrett, 
who was doing a new version. For those of you who are old school people, you all remember the Ultima series and on Ultima Online. Garriott had stopped doing stuff for a while, and then Garriott decided to come out of the woodwork just like Chris did back in the, I forget what year it was, 2014, 15, 16, whatever it was, and decided, hey, I'm coming back with a new game called Shroud of Avatar. And he was crowdfunding it. And what he said, and he and Chris did this deal, that if you backed Shroud of Avatar, you would get a crossbow for Star Citizen. And if you backed Star Citizen at that time, you got some type of ancient wand or sword or something for Shroud of Avatar, okay? And I have Shroud of Avatar. I, I backed it to get, just to get that crossbow. I actually, actually backed the game, okay? Um, but yeah, let's, let's, uh, let's go back to this and talk about this item because... BBG, there's been a lot of potential about what this thing can do, you know, beyond just shooting people, you know, what yeah, are your so thoughts is about this, it? Is this going to be ballistic? Is this going to be a laser repeater? Like, it is, is this a, a chewy crossbow? crossbow it is, is all a... we know is it is a crossbow. And there have been so many cool ideas I've seen people talk about, about what, like, people were even talking about this thing for like, you know, like the, you know, like a bat thing, you know, where you could shoot it up and climb up, all types of cool ideas that people were coming up with for this thing. You know, yeah, um, I think mm -hmm. I think the potential is robust. I think mm -hmm. that um, as I look at the weapon, you know, it looks like there are cartridges to it, mm -hmm. you know, and so I can imagine that this is some sort of um, reloadable um, multiple shot crossbow it's like you're not gonna have like three shots and be done yeah you, but you know what's funny it it has the traditional if you look into the wings of it it has the traditional wind-up coil that builds up right, tension like it's, it's mechanical right. so i'm curious if it will be both like because if you remember uh i don't remember if, if if chewbacca's crossbow you know it was designed as a crossbow i don't know if it had a mechanical aspect to it because that was laser you know laser blast but it'd be cool yeah. if it had both like a mechanical and you know what I mean? Electrical aspect to it. I don't know. In the future, it's so hard to think of it not having that ballistic and well, energy. Yeah, it would be nice if you could take down a level of armor or shields on something or someone and then finish them mm. with a physical bolt, right? <laughs> Explosive bolts, electric, right. electrical bolts. The benefit to this is silence, right? Right. You know, being able to go in and take people out from a distance or whatever quietly, you know, is it slinging it? I don't know. We'd have to see what that's like to actually be carrying something like that, you know. But to me, the fact that you can able to do some stuff, maybe somebody who's in your group, like a sniper would work, you know, but somebody who's able to go in and start taking things out quietly until you get where you're going. I like that idea of it. Well, which, and the way you're thinking about it is the way I hope CIG is thinking about it, which is you know, this could be a form of multi-tool, mm. right? Um, with, uh, mm. At a minimum with multiple ammo, mm -hmm. like multiple um, cartridges that you can load in. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I, once you said it, now I keep coming back to, this could shoot off a, <laughs> uh, could be a climbing tool. I mean, you could, mm -hmm. it probably won't be that in my view, but, mm -hmm. you know, uh, I, I, I like the quiet kills aspect of it. Mm -hmm. Um, it lends itself to a certain type of role play um, when you're walking around with this. Mm -hmm. um, I wonder how um, customs might experience it. <laughs> you know, 
it's gonna get confiscated you know that (laughs) too big you put it in your pocket they're gonna see that thing yeah yeah and you know what yeah, is, is that um, a, is that a dual hand or is that... and, and you're super elegant and you know the haters are going to be like how oh, i can't get one but they said the language that you use mm-hmm. is that it will be available in game to all players yeah right yeah but yeah. my hope is that you know you got to go find that right yeah. i'm curious to see what the animation is going to be like on that you know they, they're pretty elaborate with these weapons you know whether those arms swing out you know or like you said if it has a multi-function to it right it may and be a primary and a now, secondary it, function. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say, the way I'm looking at it now, it looks like it's half in, half out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? You can imagine that it would articulate much wider than that mm-hmm. and then fold it all the way up. It might be much, much narrower. Yeah, than narrower. That. Yeah, yeah. Well, just so you guys will know, I mean, it will be great to see this come out in-game. We know that they, again, have started working on it. There's some other things we're going to show today that we know CIG has started working on. It's beyond just concept. So, um yeah, we'll we'll have to see where they go with this. But I I I I'm looking forward to that particular one. Okay. Well, and this is why this is why I'm here, Griff. Mm-hmm. You know, the Soul Citizens be giving you that 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 shot in the vein <laughs> stuff that you thought you knew the game, and then Griff's like, Oh, you think you know the game? You think you an OG? How about the Ultiflex Novia? What? <laughs> I'm like, oh, I never even saw this. Yeah, listen. BBG said we passed out a lot of hopium in this channel, okay? That's what he said, basically. He just said it the nice way, but we we put out a lot of hopium, you know. Hopium and copium. I'm that, hopium I, like, and copium. I like that. Yeah, hopium it and copium. It keeps my imagination right where it needs to be yeah. in this game. Okay, well, you and I went back in the clock on another item that we talked about, which some people will know. Some people may not know, though, its capability, and we want to talk about that a little bit. Um, let's see, is that on the right thing? That's not on the right thing. Hang on a second here. Why did that bring up that? Y'all give me a second here. Here we go. That there. The workbench. Under tools. We're going to talk about some tools, gang. Uh, well, you know what? Before we go to that, let me, let me, let me stop. Let me stop y'all. I want to go back because we were on weapons. BBG, is there anything else before we leave weapons that you would like to see CIG develop? Any other type of weapon? We've we've talked about the non-lethal. We've talked about the crossbow. Uh, Is there anything else in relation to bounty hunting, you know, sniping mercenaries, assassin, anything else that you think would be kind of cool for CIG to develop for a game? The only other thing I'd like to see along the lines of knives is throwing weapons or various shuriken, right? Mm. So a lot of people know shuriken is like throwing stars, Mm -hmm. but really shuriken is any weapon that can be thrown, Mm -hmm. right? Any of those small weapons that can be. And so I would like to see a little collection of those silent but deadly weapons Mm -hmm. that are great, Mm -hmm. particularly for unarmored folks. Mm -hmm. You know, as we go into bunkers now, we're seeing armored nine tails, but we're also seeing unarmored folks. Mm. Right, mm. Um, they they have weapons, but they don't really have any armor. And Nine Tails can't afford to kit out everybody with armor. Yeah, and yeah. being able to take those folks out, yeah, with that type of thing, and stay silent, yeah, really contributes to that gameplay. Yeah. Uh, who is that? I want to yell. Nor Roboto says, "Are bullets shuriken?" No, you, I'm not talking about throwing them with a gun. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, hey, um, broke citizen. 
Make sure we come back to that subject when we get to armor and stuff, okay? We're going to come back to that topic because I think that's a good one for us to, to talk about in a little bit, okay? Yeah, I mean, CIG has told us about, one of the things I'm looking for is the non-lethal side of like the, the bolt weapons and the lightning weapons, right? Because right now, I did a test once with, I was out with Nihilus and, and, um, and Colossal, and I deliberately went out like about 200 meters. I went out a good distance from him and hit him with that rifle, and he died. I mean, it took a little bit because I thought I was just going to stun him. And he didn't realize, he knew he got shot, but he didn't know by what, right? Because he didn't hear the typical report of a bullet. And then within about 10 seconds, he dropped to the ground and died because he bled out. And so oh, wow. if you remember, those rifles were supposed to make it so that if somebody was in proximity of you, a bolt would shoot off from them and hit the other person. So I was just trying to see if it would stun, but it, it's still lethal. So they were supposed to make these weapons so that you could have it in a lethal, in a non-lethal setting where you just knock people out. So I've been kind of looking forward to that type of gameplay as well, since you don't pick up the crime stat when you do certain things, you know what I mean? So right. that's one thing I would love for to see them put into the game. Um, I mean, they've covered so much ground with energy weapons um, and ballistics in the game. I mean, unless you just want to start talking about something like this ion or something weird like that. Now, they're not going to ever get to the point of something that's disintegrating. <laughs> That would probably be the only next level of where they would go. Uh, some type of disintegrating weapon. Grenades are good. I know we're still looking forward to um, trip mines. We haven't been able to get trip mines that we can place yet, right? Uh, and, right. And that's right. we can we can we can get blown up by some. Yeah. Yeah. But we can't place them yet. Yeah. So. But trip mines we haven't been able to get access to. We know it's coming because they got them in the game. Uh, so I mean beyond that. As far as you know, FPS personal stuff, I'm I'm pretty content. I'm pretty content. Okay. Uh, Pops in space. Pops is saying, "What about traps?" Pops, you talking about like, like bear traps, like grab your leg? Yeah, like you talking about like something to capture, like a, something that captures people. Pops, maybe that's what he's, maybe that's along or the lines of cage. what he's thinking. Hey, <laughs> drop cage, drop, dig a hole in the ground in old school, go all the way old school. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, so that was weapons. Why didn't I have tools when I did T1? Give me one second here, because this should have came up under. Yeah, that's weird. Why did it show me something different? Okay. I can have... Okay, there it is. All right. All right, so the workbench. Let's talk about tools now. Um, why don't you read that one off, and we'll get some history on that piece. Yeah, the workbench is the standard across UEE space. Get yours today and never borrow your neighbor's tools again. The workbench was sold on Voyager Direct. Some of y'all may not remember Voyager Direct. Mm -hmm. Voyager Direct used to be that shop mm -hmm. for 10,000 UEC. Although removed from the description, it has since been reconfirmed that the workbench offers overclocking functionality, overclocking functionality, yeah. which stood out to me because I recall, I don't, I didn't recall that. Mm-hmm. I definitely recall this workbench. Right, right. But I didn't recall that it was going to be focused on overclocking, but that makes sense. Right? The same way that it makes sense that it's not quite in the game. Once we get modules together and we start swapping modules and, and life becomes about modules and, and you start having space in place where you could have a workbench, right. right? Then the nuance, taking those modules and working on them in ways where you start to tune them and try to overclock them and find that happy place between failure and mm. the rundown of the module, but getting 
what you need performance wise, that's going to be some gameplay. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, we, we, I mean, fast cards always mentioning about the endeavor and being able to overclock with that ship. Right. But I, right. like you had forgotten that this particular workbench, which is goes into your hangar is something that you could do. Now, what I didn't think about whenever we've talked about hangers, we often have talked about hangers as far as them being a social space, right? We always talked about inviting our friends to come in so they could see our ships, blah, 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 right? And for those of you who weren't around back in the day, we had our own personal hangers. You had your personal hangers. You could take these items like this and you could place them. It didn't work. The bench didn't work, but you could place it. You could place a lot of other items. But I should have remembered Chris Roberts, if he puts it in the game, is supposed to have some function. And the workbench as a function for you as a player, provided you own one. Now, a lot of people bought these in the early days because it was just one of those other um, flare items that you could get. Um, but you don't hear any conversation about, you know, you being able to overclock your own stuff anymore. We've always thought that we'd have to go someplace or to someone. Um, and for those of you who've never had games with overclocking, um, in uh, stars, in, you guys always hear me talk about Star Wars Galaxies. One of the careers in there was someone called a slicer. And what a slicer could do is you could go to them, you could get a weapon, and depending on what level they were, if you could, you could go to them and pay them, and they would modify your weapon. If your weapon was a damage of, you know, 20 to 40, you go to them, if they had the right level of experience, they could move it from a 20 to 40 to maybe a 30 to 50 or 50 to 70. Uh, but there was always risk. The higher that they pushed it to get the gun to go up, there was a greater risk of failure, as BBG mentioned. And if it failed, you didn't get your gun back at a 20 to 40. Your gun was no good. <laughs> and so if you had a really valuable weapon, and of course, there's always that greed factor, right, BBG? It ain't good enough. You know what I mean? This is a, right. this is, this is a platinum level gun, but I need this sucker to be, you know, you know, some other, you know, a, a kryptonite level, you know what I mean? And well, so, and, and, and not blow up in my hand when I go to use it. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. You know? And so now if slicers, here was the deal. You couldn't hold a slicer liable. If he tried it and it failed, it was like, well, I'm sorry, dude. See you later. I mean, he didn't owe you nothing. He might've had a secondary weapon that he'd give you, you know, she so wouldn't be out of luck if he did, if he failed. But I always thought it was very cool. You gambled on whether you could do it. So I'm curious as to your point, will there be, and I know CIG has avoided this whole thing about skills, but how will they make it so that I'm capable or I have the ability to be able to use that table, that workbench, or maybe it's just limited. Maybe, you know, I've got to go to someplace like an Endeavor if I want some really, really good stuff raised up, but maybe in the early days, I can take a class E, you know, uh, cooler. And maybe the, I can bump it up to a class D or C, maybe one grade up or two grades up. Maybe I can't make it a class A because I'm trying to figure out what, if that's the case, you kill the economy, right? No reason to go buy stuff. I can just buy cheap stuff and boost it up. I don't know. You got any thoughts on that? What would be the yeah, limitations? I mean, I, for, yeah, for me, I think that every player ought to be able to go in and mess with their stuff, mm -hmm. right? I think the economy component of it is found when and you know where we're going to end up on skills is is a whole other thing mm -hmm. but if i go in i should be able to go in and mess with it and really the the what they call rng jesus right the mm -hmm. random number generator um 
for how that might turn out mm -hmm. needs to be a really wide RNG scale, mm. right? Right. And to my and for me, I think to your point, it ought to be a wide RNG scale and the best that can happen with me as an untrained citizen in the verse mm -hmm. is that I can take something from E to D. Mm. Right. Right. So if I am lazy, if I have no money and I feel like, <laughs> oh, I want to just jump on this bench and overclock my stuff and take and give it a try. Mm -hmm. Right. It ought to work to a certain extent, but I can never do it as well as um, somebody out here with an endeavor, mm. develop the skill or, you know, a, a, um, NPC relationship that I could build up the reputation and then take them some things. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I think there ought to be nuance and, and then different levels ought to have less range in their RNG. Right. But mm. to your point, I'd still like to see there's some percentage chance, no matter who's working on it, that it could go to failure. Let me ask you a question. CIG has introduced this thing about engineers and stuff in the game. What happens if reputation in some form is tied to that? Not necessarily skill, because Shady Phase says it's, you know, we want to stay away from a skill tree per se, but there is something that says game experience allows me to be able to do something. So if my profession is that of an engineer and I'm working on ships, right, and I'm doing stuff like that, could there be some type of residual that says when I use this type of thing, you know, you know, I get a little bit better result from it than someone like you said, who has, there's nothing with engineering, nothing at all, right? But when they go to the machine, it's very limited in what they could do, or the risk factor's higher. The risk factor's higher. Maybe they can try to go from a E to a D or E to a, a C, but their risk factor is much greater a failure than that person who's working as an engineer or something. I don't know. I, I'm just trying to figure yeah. out what the limitations could be for something like that. Yeah, I, I like, I like uh, experience-based um, mitigation mm -hmm. of this opportunity, but I also like reputation with NPCs, right? Mm -hmm. Because what happens then is that type of relationship can come and go depending on how I function in the verse, mm -hmm. right? Okay. Let's say the reputation is mostly what I've done in relationship to a particular NPC, but okay. it could also be whether I've done something recently, okay. right? Yeah. So I might build up my reputation with an NPC and then they go, all right, well, now you're at a level where you can come in and we can work together on this workbench mm. and you're going to get this result, mm. right? More likely to get this result. Mm -hmm. But then if I mess up my reputation, I no longer have access to, access that. to it. Yeah, there you go. And, or if I build up my reputation and then don't talk to that NPC for five years, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. They're like, oh no, I don't know you anymore. <laughs> yeah. 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 Guys, listen, we're not trying to push a skill tree. Believe me. No. We're, we're talking about right. the gameplay and experiences access. We're talking about more access than like you grind and build up to a certain point. I, let me go to something that Chinook says here, BBG, because Chinook says something too. I think that it should be tied to exploration and materials that are available in the verse. Certain undiscovered compounds, et cetera, can be used to boost components, but they got to be discovered. To your point earlier, when you talked about exploration, right? You get out there, you find the stuff then you can bring it right. back. And if you've got those right ingredients and right materials, which are not easily found, you know, maybe you got to find that stuff 10 systems away, you know, uh, but if and you- to your point, that mm -hmm. is experience. Yeah, right. right, that's what I'm saying, game experiences. That's what I mean by game experiences. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. If you're able to go out there and you end up finding things that haven't been found before, mm -hmm. that found relatively rarely, mm -hmm. then you have developed the experience of doing that and that, that reward 
Yeah. Is to be able to do these other things. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, guys, again, I know we're using the word skill, but I don't want to come off as a skill tree. And we're not looking to do that. We're just saying as you play through the games, you get the ability to do something the more you play it. Because we don't want to have this like, you know, you've worked to a certain point. I know I've got this point, so now I could do this. The CIG has also talked about missions being based that way. They talked about how there'll be some missions that if you do them to a certain point, there's certain access you have. You may even think that that's as far as it goes. But if you're a good enough detective, you may go further and find out, wait a minute, there's more. I remember, in fact, the detective mission that was over at, um, what's that place called? Cryastro. Cryastro. Kovalex. Gundo. Gundo. Remember when you first used to do it, if you, you thought you were at the end of it, then you found out that there was one more room back there. Right. And if you did that, you got even more money. That right. wasn't anything about skill level. That was an experience. There was something that happened in the game that gave us greater access. Because if you went to do that first insurance run, they paid you and said, thanks. And that was it. But if you did the other thing, the wife came and talked to you and said, oh, blah, 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 blah and gave you all this other speech. So we're saying that they could build these things in such a way that your game experience gives you access to things. All right, let's move past yeah, the and, and, and my hope is that, you know, the way that, the way that Chris is reaching this game, my hope is that he is reaching for something that's organic like mm -hmm. that, right? Yeah. Because for me, that's far more interesting, mm -hmm. right? Than looking at a skill, building up a skill, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I, I, I'm not, I'm not interested. That's that's sort of like a numbers game. I'm in max math. Exactly. Game. Exactly. I'm interested in having experiences, mm -hmm. right? Exactly. Um, both curated and um, generated by the community. Yep. yep. All of which contribute to um, opportunities. Mm -hmm. So the workbench for me, um, and you know, right now, Griff, I'm interested in your thoughts because right now. The workbench offers overclocking functionality, but you think that ultimately there will be different types of workbenches. Oh, absolutely. I mean, doing they, different we, types of things. Well, they've showed us like, you know how the Carrick has a repair room in there, right? Right. I mean, I think we're going to find other things that they're going to go because the hangar is supposed to be like your space, right? Your hangar. You're going to be storing cargo, freight there, all types of things later on. And I, so I see that your hangar being more of a, you know, you, you've got your hab where you live. But the hangar, there's a reason why they gave everybody hangars when they bought ships. You know what I'm saying? And it's not just to park your ship. And of course, as you know, there's so much flair. There's so much stuff that they've given us to occupy those spaces. There's, I can't you know, wait. There's leisure stuff. There's mechanical stuff. There's all types of stuff. So I wouldn't, you know, everything always seems to be an entree to something else. And the workbench to me seems to be that same type of thing. There's going to be other things that they're going to give us. Uh, he even gave us the doggone Big Benny machine. You know what I mean? <laughs> They're going to be something else, no matter what. Okay, we're going to bring another one to you guys that you just saw recently, too. The Industrial Cutting Tool. It's a handheld cutting tool manufactured by Great Cat Industrial. It allows users to cut through some objects. It's more powerful cutting tool than the OxyTorch cutter attachment for the Pyro, Pyro Right multi-tool. As of 312, it is in development. Now, we saw these a little while back, and this one we haven't seen in game. But the next thing they were going to show after this, we have, and I'll talk about that when we when we um when we get to that part. Um, these cutting tools. I want to ask you, you know, with salvage coming, BBG, you know, we've got that little pyro little thing. You know what I mean? And yeah, maybe you could cut some components out or something. But I look at something like this, you know, when people are talking about doing like serious salvage, 
that there's somebody out there who's literally slicing sections of frame yeah. with something like this. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, this is for this is for that player who ain't got a reclaimer, right? Yeah. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. This is that interim step between going past, you know, salvaging with your gun and your little container mm -hmm. and taking back missions where you're taking back big pieces of salvage, but you can't crush them up with a reclaimer. Like you got to slice them and then move them with your mm. tractor into your trunk. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, and then get to stepping. Right. So yeah. um, for me, I, I, I like this because, you know, the reclaimer you got to have a crew yeah right you gotta um be coordinated right folks got to be moving stuff <laughs> lining stuff up um you with this i could see like um maybe you just it's one or two people right mm -hmm. um and it's a little bit beyond you know the sort of salvage material um so it's a different type of salvaging opportunity i think with this yeah Right. What are some other things um, to think about applications for cutting? Someone mentioned here about cutting through a, like a bulkhead or airlock. Um, maybe it's a way of, you know, is it a way to get through an airlock? I mean, see, the problem was, guys, you, know, you got to think about some stuff. If you do it, you can't do permanent damage to stuff, right? I mean, maybe you can use it to get in, but can you literally like cut like, you know, like a lightsaber? You know what I mean? Cut a hole in something. I don't know if they're going to allow you to do that. But maybe it is something that allows you to break a lock, you know, um, crates, crates are possible that can be spawned in that you can use to cut into. I'm at any other applications for a cutter beyond salvaging. Um, I don't know. It's interesting stuff. Doors. Yeah. But guys, if you cut the door down, okay, okay let's, well, okay. I don't want to get fancy schmancy on this. Y'all got to remember that in the game, <laughs> airlocks and stuff are pressurized. So... <laughs> You know, you cut a hole in it, uh, you know, there's some repercussions to that. You know, first of all, if you're on the outside, whatever you cut's going to fly into you and knock you out, which is possible if it's pressurized. Um, and also doing permanent damage to something in game may not be real. So I don't know. I, I don't know if we could be able to do things like that. Well, and that's a, just another reminder that the way we experience restock and repair mm -hmm. is probably not the long-term function of that. <laughs> Citizen so Shagan said, use it to cut the handcuffs off. <laughs> okay. <laughs> am I, am I so, <laughs> so, you know, I, I, you know, maybe you could cut a door open because we've seen them test out that vacuum functionality yeah. and show us people who were not ready for vacuum yeah. not make it as a result of vacuum <laughs> kicking in. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But then when you go to take that um, to get repaired, uh -huh. a door or, or an airlock, might be a lot more costly to repair yeah. in terms of it being fundamental to the structure of a ship mm -hmm. uh, and other things. So, yeah, well, it'll be interesting. Evidently, I'm sure C we, we know CIG has got some plan for this, you know, and these are kind of, these all seem like to be pretty much industrial tools. So, yeah, you know, whether you can use it as a, uh, a weapon, a lethal weapon will be interesting too. Um, let's talk about this next item here. Why don't you read this one for us? Now this one we have just seen, mm -hmm. the Max Lift tractor beam, a handheld tractor beam manufactured by Great Cat Industrial. It allows users to move objects remotely or pull themselves towards larger objects while in EVA. It is a more powerful tractor beam than the true hole tractor beam attachment for the Pyro Right multi-tool. 
as of Alpha 318, it is in active development. And again, we saw uh, folks using this in render. It was in engine, but it wasn't yet. It's not yet in game. Right. So you were able to see it. Yeah. Um, and if I remember correctly, they were like holding down an Aurora with that or something like that. Well, the one I saw when I remember seeing it was when it was slung on the back of a, in, of a player. You know, this was CIG. This is when they were first showing us them using the um, hull scraping. And this was slung on the back of that person that was doing it, you know, the developer that was doing it. And so what right. that said to me is that they've got it, they're testing it, you know, to see if it'll work. I'm, you know, the whole tractor beam thing is a big deal now, right? That's the new thing that it just gave us this new version of tractor beams. And we know that they're getting ready to work on the rest of the cargo stuff that they want to do, where they want to bring us elevators, bigger crates, bigger boxes. So I see a unit like this, unlike the, the hand tool that we use now that moves the one SCU box or whatever it is, I see this being the one that you could use to move a much larger box, much bigger, maybe a four SCU or eight SCU. Um, the, the, the little handheld pyro thing is not gonna cut it once you start moving larger freights. Now, whether this will move a 32 SCU, I don't know. You know, something that goes onto a freaking um, the Argo cargo, right? I don't know. Uh, but I think it's going to be something that's in between those two. You know, when you get to a 32 yeah. SCU, you might be having to use a full onboard ship type of tractor beam or something like a SRV or something. I don't know, but we'll, we'll have to see. I mean, it's another reason why I'm super thankful we're in testing, right? Mm -hmm. We're in testing mode with Alpha because, you know, when I see this, I get flutter in my stomach and I'm like, why am I worried about this? And it's, it's because every every sci-fi setting that I imagine, mm -hmm. right? Or you read about, or you experience, there ain't a whole bunch of people running around tractor beaming everything. Mm -hmm. right? yeah. yeah. And so, you know, we need to make sure that this is integrated in a way that really is um, useful, but limited. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, in testing, we tend to see like when we first got medical gameplay and everybody was injecting everybody right at first. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's how we test, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then they limited that contextually to make, make the world continue to make sense, right? Uh, and so I imagine that we'll get the same thing here, but I don't want um, too much. I, I, if it's limited to cargo, I see it. If, it's, if, it's, if there are ways in which players can be smartly innovative, you always like that. Uh, but I don't want a world where everybody's running around tractor beaming everybody. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And making it goofy, right? Like I liked the the handheld tractor beam and then knowing that the SRV was coming, right? For bigger stuff, right? Um and so I, I worry about this particular tool. We'll we'll see. And I know yeah. that ultimately CIG is gonna make it make sense, right? Yeah, but, yeah, right, exactly. Because I think like you said, um I think remember I think from if, if I'm remembering correctly, didn't they with the uh the rock make it so that the rock doesn't work on organic material. Like you can't use it against somebody or something like that. Am I remembering correctly? Cause right. in the beginning, yeah. that was a concern. And right. with the graph stuff, I mean, I think it's, they could still, like you said, they could come up with some stuff where you, you know, it remains within the context of what it should be able to do. Um, and I know some people don't like that. Some people like to have it where you can, it can do whatever you want it to do. But I think that, uh, unless they put in guardrails, right. Uh, and the guardrails can be, uh, when you do some type of offense against somebody, you know, are you willing to take a penalty for doing that offense? You know, is it worth it? And I think CIG can put in some heavy penalties on players. I'm not talking about banning. I'm talking about in-game penalties when you do certain things, you know. 
but anyway, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Like I said, I'm sure they have a plan. They've definitely thought out a lot of this stuff ahead of time. But these are some of the other tools. Is there any other tools you thought of that would be interesting to see in game? I know we've been talking about these cutters and gravity tools and stuff like that. Well, we want to make sure the chat uh, lets us know their thoughts on other tools yes. as well. But for me, um, you know, one of the things that I thought uh, was ultimately interesting to mm -hmm. consider you know how you know some some guys you go to their house and they have a whole suite of of tools to adjust certain things mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. i would like to see a tool set that's required for certain manufacturers right to tie it back to the workbench mm -hmm. right so for example if you run with js400s right as a power plant and you want to adjust those on your workbench, mm -hmm. you need a particular set of tools that are to from that it. manufacturer mm -hmm. to do that. Just can't do it, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Now, there's no general tool set, right? They're, they're specialized. Specialized, tools. yeah. That's interesting. Um, and so, yeah, and I'd like to see that for manufacturers across the board. Hmm. Okay, I like that. All righty, we're gonna move on past tools, gang. We're gonna to go to something that a lot of people are always excited about. We're going to cover the area of armor and clothing. The Titan Exosuit, or Titan Suit as we call it. It's a mech originally built for industrial purposes. It has expanded to military and combat operations as well. Under the old armor classification system, it is classified as a Class 9 spacesuit. It is designed to hold ground in the open against smaller ships. One notable manufacturer of Titan suits is Virgil Limited with their best-selling Zeus system. That name Zeus just keeps popping up with Star Citizen, I tell you. Mm -hmm. Somebody <clears throat> loves their lore. I'm sorry, we've been, guys, please forgive me. I'm so used to FastCart being here. I've not been dropping links in. There's the information there. Uh, we've been using Star Citizen tools and the Star Citizen website for most of this information. So forgive us for not dropping that in earlier. Um, I've always had mixed feelings about Titan suits. Um, because for me, the question is, how do you do it so that you're not OP when it comes to person-to-person -person combat? From an industrial side, I get it if you're using it for industrial purposes, but once it enters into the PVP FPS aspects, <clears throat> what's the balance and maybe the balance let's talk about what do you think are the things that balance this out when it comes to speed is it power limitations and it's just like when you play mech warrior or anything else but everybody's in a yeah, mech I and mean, mech warrior I, you right know, so. you know i'm thinking mech warrior too <clears throat> uh, mm -hmm. on that, right um, but I, I i can imagine uh, you could see these things being rolled out and when you get involved in a conflict at a certain level right so let you could call it the rowena dually gate mm -hmm. right so let's say, for example, they evolve Xenothreat to be ground-based uh, combat, right? And there are some components where you got to get on the ground. Where Rowena could issue one of these suits, and you could gain experience in one of these suits in that context, right? So you use it for that mission, mm -hmm. right? And then afterwards, it goes back to, mm -hmm. to, her, to her organization, right? Mm -hmm. Um, or, you know, you could get involved as a um, civilian volunteer for a UEE operation somewhere else and you get issued. I would not, at this point, 
that's one of the things you could think about in terms of how do we keep this from being, you know, the new meta by itself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because if, if they're just available at the store, right? <laughs> everybody's going to save their money up and get them and get a, get a suit. Right. And then, and then everybody's got to be in one. Right. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. now you got to do it this way. Mm -hmm. Right. Versus, um, you know, always keeping the player as the player in mind. Right. Let me um, ask you this then. Is it, are there restrictions? Because most most environments where you have a mech suit, everybody's got access to a mech suit, right? You're not mixing somebody who's on foot and somebody who's in a mech suit. Are there restrictions that they could put into a suit like this that literally challenge the use of them? For example, um, what I see a suit like this being good for is definitely environmental. Uh, where the environment is just so harsh and so bad to be in a regular thing would not be feasible, which would force anyone who's out there to have to be in one of these. You know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about like freaking Jupiter level, you know, bad weather, right? So the only way you're going to be in that weather is to use a suit like this. But if you use it outside of something like that, I guess, what is the restriction? Is it speed, weight, uh, well, I, Only I, so chat, much you can has, carry. The, the chat has hit on this, I think, really okay. well, whether okay. it's Cyberwolf or Citizen Shenanigans or Landscaper. Okay. You know, mobility, visibility, it should be slower. Mm. A Cyberwolf says doesn't fit in interiors and mm. it's outdoor only. Yeah. Um, uh, Citizen Shenanigans says maybe it's vulnerable to distortion weapons, mm -hmm. right? Maybe it has a particular but robust vulnerability, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, the uh, idea that you could use it to move heavy things or to your point, Griff, navigate environments with heavy gravity helps connotes this idea that I see in chat that maybe it's really slow, mm -hmm. right? So that even if you bring it to an environment that isn't that, it's still gonna be slow. Yeah. And you get three or four people who are functioning differently outside the suit, they can move quickly, mm -hmm. you know, drop that grenade on you or something else or yeah. a distortion weapon or something else. Yeah. It's really just good for going up against other Titans exosuits. Right. 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 Cause then everybody's moving slow, but big. Right. 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 And that equals, that's the equalizer. If everybody's in it. Right. But someone right. also mentioned cost. That was another thing someone said here too. You know, what's the cost of something like this cost to purchase as well as maintain. Cause that could be another factor as well. Is it worth breaking this suit out? Yeah, it may look cool, but you go broke every time you take the thing out. I don't know. You know, the cost factor could be also an access, finding them, getting them built. There's a lot of stuff that could be factored into, you know, making them cost prohibitive. And when you need them, you need them. You know what I mean? And again, I'm, I'm thinking about like when you go into certain environments that you got to break this suit out to go into that environment to do something. And because it is industrial, it could allow you to maybe do something, maybe mining or something else that you couldn't normally do wearing a normal suit, normal armor, you know? Um, yeah. We tend not to talk about heavy gravity environments, yeah, right? Yeah. Environments that just would not be sustainable yeah. in the suits that we wear. Mm -hmm. Right. I could see it for that. When people say I could use it to lift stuff, I'm reminded of that moment where Ripley demonstrates that she can move stuff and Hicks and a pwn are like <laughs> over there, ma'am, in right. aliens. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. mean, 
I know I one can see that too. One ship, but I think that's a different form of suit. True. One ship, believe it or not, that has the outline for taking these is believe it or not, the retaliator in the um drop ship section. They mentioned about it being able to take some type of exosuit. Um okay. so you know, maybe there is a situation where there are only certain types of ships because of power, you know what I mean? To power them and, some, and to be able to carry them and for this, and for to be able to ex, even exit out of the ship for that matter. You know what I mean? Maybe there will be only certain ships that can handle, you know, moving these things around. You can't just get in any old ship and fly around with them, you know? Oh, it's interesting. It's interesting. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. Well, we'll see what happens with that. And they do keep coming back to that Zeus. Yes, <laughs> they do. They, <laughs> They love that term. Okay, we're gonna change the gears here, gang. Let's talk about fauna. Let's talk mm. about things that they have talked to us about. Uh, why, don't mm. you, why don't you hit this one? <clears throat> so this is the Xiphopod. The Xiphopod is a soft-shelled invertebrate omnivore indigenous to Lear One. Xiphopods, known colloquially as blind oni crabs, are typically found on worlds with hot grassland environments but have also been found to be highly adaptable to extreme conditions. <laughs> and uh, they are considered an invasive species in the United Empire of Earth, yep. right? Yep. So yep. I can imagine, Griff, that when they say um, they're found on multiple worlds, the problem is that people are bringing them with them, right? <laughs> yeah. In new worlds. They're invasive. And the UE is like, stop moving these, these things, things around. around. <laughs> <That's a> problem. <laughs> You know, when I first saw this, uh, they, they say it's an omnivore, right? And I was like, I hope this thing is like, it's just a scary looking thing to me, dude. That's like a brain with like freaking, I don't know, like a bug brain thing. Um, I see something like that, man. I'm going to holler personally. Um, and I've been, you've heard me say this before. I've been wanting creatures in the game so badly. They mentioned this is in Lear 1. That's where it's indigenous to, but they do show up other places. If I'm remembering correctly, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, when they first showed us the uh, area at Hurston, at yes. the very end of that video, we saw some of these floating around. Down when, they, yeah. when they panned down to the ground. Outside. Yeah. And I kept hoping that we'd see them at Hurston and we never did. Um, nope. But I would love to see something like this uh, showing up in the game because it was a little while ago since we've seen them. Uh, let's well, go. in the Galactopedia article that mm -hmm. references these things does say that the hot, dry environment of, of Hurston has proven particularly hospitable to these things. So mm. we will, I think we will eventually see the, a lot of them around. Eventually? Okay. All right, gang. Well, there's the link for that. If you want to scare yourself, feel free to look at it. Um, <laughs> the next one is one that everybody's talked about and everybody's excited about even though it has not shown up and we've been waiting for this one for a little while. <clears throat> and that is the Boreal Stalker. Uh, the Boreal Stalker is an apex predator found on Microtech Stanton 4 and created by the company Microtech to, to help round out their planetary ecosystem. Uh, after the era and terraforming process that led to the climate far colder, the planet being far colder than had been intended, Many of the plants and animals the United Empire of Earth UEE government used to stock the planet died. After purchasing the planet from the UEE, Microtech opted to artificially engineer plants and animals to fill empty ecological niches, including the Boreal Stalker. Um, thank you guys for that. Is it Aki 
Aki8, thank you for following. And Zayura, 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 follow, thank you. And Techromom, thank you as well for the follow. HDS, if I didn't say it earlier, we did. Thank you for the zombie picks up. This is one I'm looking forward to, because this is, you know, obviously for big Star Wars fans, this goes back to the old, you know, Hoth and the the big abominable snowman. I forget what the Yeti. Well, not the Yeti. What was that thing called? It was called something. I, I, that's the town over that thing that 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 Luke was hanging upside down waiting to get eaten. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm curious to see what CIG will do with something. The Wampa. Thank you, shipwreck. The Wampa. Um, yes. I'm curious to see what they're going to do with this. I want this thing to freaking. You know, you run into your ship and you got to run from this thing and it's banging on your door when you get inside, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Listen, when they roll it out, mm-hmm. they need to roll it out in ways where people are just it encountering it and it getting just shows killed. Up. Yeah, right. They don't even make no announcement. <laughs> you just drop it you in. You think you're going into a microtech <laughs> bunker and it's cold and it's snowing and then all of a sudden something hits you on your side and you hear a growl. And maybe you see his face and maybe you don't. I agree. I agree. <laughs> I agree. I, you know, I, I, I've said I want to be able to land certain places. And when I'm looking to get out my ship, I've got to actually look around, you know, beforehand just to make sure. Right. This thing's scale. They did have a scale. I don't have the scale image of this, but this thing is big. It's not small, you know, by any means. Um, but they, they, I, they outlined it as an apex predator. So be afraid. Be very afraid, folks, you know. All right, let's see what the next one is that they've shown us. This is some more stuff that we've been looking forward to. The Stormwall. I'll give you that one. So the Stormwall is a warm-blooded vertebrate indigenous to Crusader, or Stanton II, in the Empire, United Empire of Earth. It was discovered in 2855 when three workers assembling the Providence platform, which most of us have been to, for the UEE Navy were startled by a storm wall rising from the depths of the planet's <laughs> atmosphere, causing them to drop some of their tools. You know, those specialized tools we talked about, Griff, they, they, <laughs> they, dropped them. they went floating down into the gas giant. The storm wall is the largest known animal with the ability to fly. And there are tours. We can line up to wait for them tours to go see it. Well, let's talk about this a little bit. CIG teased us last year at Invictus in the trailer. We saw these flying off in the distance. And I kept saying, hmm, they, they got it there sitting on the client where they could do this with the animation and stuff, but we don't have them in game yet. A lot of people have said stuff about these things. I've heard people say, ooh, I can't wait to get out there because they're supposed to have these, they're supposed to be able to mine off them. I don't think they've got some type of barnacle or some weird thing, but they've got some concept art of, of, of um of players on the back of these things scraping something off or whatever, right? But then there's another thing I've heard people say. It's just y'all forgive me for being Mr. Greenpeace right now, but I can't wait to go out and kill them. <laughs> okay. So first off, I want to know how y'all gonna kill a flying creature and capture it, considering that once it's not flying anymore, I don't think it's just gonna float and you know, I think it's gonna sink. And if you've ever tried to go down into the atmosphere of Crusader, you know there's only so far you can go. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts about these? They're going to do tours. You mentioned about the tours. You're going to be able to go out and see them. But will they serve any other purpose in game, do you think? I think that what you could do is you could uh, create missions the same way that um, we now have these additional 
Orison platforms to go to and clear. Mm -hmm. And we tested that with um, uh, the assault uh, missions. Mm -hmm. You could get missions to um, go and harvest something that the Stormwall leaves behind. Okay. Right? Okay. So let's say they send you to a particular area in the gas giant. Mm -hmm. You got to be properly equipped to handle the pressure, mm -hmm. whatever. But you could go there and there's something that Stormwall leaves behind that is a harvestable. Okay. Right? Okay. That you could bring back and split with the mission giver or whatever. I am uninterested. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be Greenpeace too. I, I'm not worried about it. I'm uninterested in being on a tour, looking at a Stormwall and having somebody fly up and shoot the Stormwall <laughs> and, and all that crazy. Right. Um, now, so, you know, Z, Z pilot 21 in the chat says space Moby Dick. Now that would be interesting, right? <laughs> It'd be interesting to have crusader go, Hey, normally storm walls, leave us alone. We leave them alone. We just watch them. But there's this one storm wall. That's just killing. Yeah. People. Yeah. Something like that. Wreck and shop. And we need, there's a mission where we need to go get that one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and ships have gone out and not come back that type of thing. Yeah. Right. Um, what about then, what about if what about what about if you can piss them off, right? Like I mean, literally, like they're they're docile unless you mess with them. You know what I mean? And maybe yeah. messing with them is not a good thing. You know, if somebody's been agitating them, you're trying to take off, and they become aggressive and go after yeah, you. Yeah, and 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 maybe they they function in 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 gas flows that you can't bring massive ships into, yeah. right? You need highly maneuverable ships that are smaller. Or can only take the pressure. Smaller, or take the pressure. Right, mm -hmm. right. But because they're smaller or whatever, mm -hmm. now you mess with them, you're not going to win, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, just want, I just want the wild animal to win for once. Are you, just, are you basically the, telling everybody to make sure they read Moby Dick before they proceed to... Uh... Listen, that... <laughs> If that book ends a certain way, you better read it. <laughs> That's very true. That's very true. Very true. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I, of course, CIG has told us about being able to take tours of Crusader. They've alluded to the fact that there's going to be, as you mentioned, some form of harvesting with them. There could be even experiences uh, or, you know, CIG talks about reputation, right? If you do certain types of social levels of reputation, which says that you go on the tour and do something. They could come up with some things like that. But I am curious. These things are big. I mean, if you look at that trailer where they show these things, they are not small by any means. They're really big creatures. So I'm curious to hey, see. Who, 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 sorry, Griffin. The sure. chat, Kruthant Soleus says, um, the more they allow you to within reason to do within reason, the more emergent gameplay you will encounter. He likes the idea of individuals teaming together to repel poachers mm. who might be going after Stormwall. Like, mm. yeah, I absolutely get that. Mm. I, I get mm. that, you know, when players function as bad actors, you can have other players counter that, right? <laughs> and you get some emerging gameplay. I like that. What I don't want is for it to function in such a way that I go on a tour and I never see a, a Stormwall. Well, there's two other funny things in here. One of them is Zombie Pig saying he's going to take his SRV to haul the thing in. That's the first funny one. <laughs> Tractor it. And, Tractor it. And the, and the second one is his Divine Shadow saying, what if they could generate a very strong electromagnetic pulse that shuts your ship down? Mm. You know, that would be kind of interesting, too. That would be their defensive measure. You know, you have to worry about that happening. That would be 
pretty cool thing or put off electrical shock. I mean, there's all types of stuff that they could do for their own defensive measures. You know what I mean? Then you, then you'd have people turning <clears throat> off their ship and just pad ramming. Yeah. Right. Pad ramming you don't want to, hey, you don't want to pad ram at crusader brother. Trust me that, that you go down, you get crushed after a certain point. It's all over with. So, right. All right. Let's hit this other one here. Let's go to a much more docile situation here. The quasi-grazer, also known as the space cow, is a large, warm-blooded herd animal that was originally discovered on the vast plains of quasi, most notable for their unusual method of carrying their young. The quasi-grazer has become one of the standard seed animals that can commonly be found on most terraform planets in the UEE. <clears throat> Aside from using their eggs for cooking, the grazers are also used for their meat and in more remote sections of space, tanning their skins for heavy winter clothing. This is an interesting thing because Jay was having this conversation a little few days ago, and I think last week. And I remember when they first showed us Pyro 3 and some of the concept art. We talked about, even though we know things are 900 years later, right? <clears throat> you would almost ask, what is the need for having a cow, a space cow, right? Why, why aren't we just eating all prefabricated foods, you know, you know, stuff that's prepackaged and blah, 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 blah. And will there be space? Will there be room for rural type of living where literally you've got cows, you're milking cows, you've got grazing, you've got tanning for skins, cloth. How do you see that BBG in a, in a future that's supposed to be the future? Will we have worlds that, and I guess you would, because I think in any science fiction series, when people travel around, you've got cultures at different levels, some that are very high tech, highly mechanized and others who are literally just coming out of the cave and living, you know, in rural spaces. How do you see that as far as gameplay within the game? I think, I think you said exactly what I was going to say, which is you're going to see worlds and communities on worlds that are on a continuum, right? Mm -hmm. And in some places you're going to go and the standard fare will be manufactured, right? Um, assembled, uh, food right out of the machine. Right. And another, and, and even in those places, you might find restaurants where a cow or steak or you know, something like that milk is a delicacy right mm. um mm. that costs a lot of money right? um but the other side of it is you're gonna have places that are just starting right and they don't have the whole infrastructure to be able to deliver that type of food nor mm. they can they import it i can imagine for example um uh settlers uh, in pyro right you've got to be a little bit self-sustaining and you don't have the infrastructure to create the, the, um, the artificial food, mm -hmm. nor can you rely on supply lines being regular because you, you know, you got gangs battling over mm -hmm. that, mm -hmm. right? So how do you position yourself to survive in that environment? You've got to start your own homestead, your own farm, your own ecosystem, right? And you know, farmers know that these seed animals um, provide a lot of purposes across the whole of their life cycle, right? Um, you get meat out of them at the end, but you get milk across their life cycle, right? They manage your um, grazable area across their life cycle, 
there's a lot of things that the grazer can do for you. Um, and this one also lays eggs, mm-hmm. right? So you see udders there. Well, I can't tell well, that's what we, that's we've been trying to figure out. Dropping but, milk. That's what we've been trying to figure out because there's always been this thing of when we first saw it, of course, we think of a cow because everybody called it a space cow. They thought about it being udders. But then as someone mentioned in chat, and I've heard this before too, that that's actually, because it says how they carry their young, is that, are those the eggs? Because then they do mention about using the eggs for cooking. It's a different type of animal. It's almost like it's a freaking weird hybrid of a chicken and a cow. You know what I mean? Where you get the meat. But I don't know. I, I'm curious. Everybody says those yeah, are I, eggs. Yeah, those are eggs, they say. Yeah, I, I and, and for me, I, I think, and somebody also was saying, Quasi, what is Quasi? Quasi is the second largest populated city on Terra. Mm-hmm. Right? So there's Terra Prime, and then there's Quasi on the other side, on the southern hemisphere. Yeah. Um, and so apparently, given this lore, um, there are vast plains outside that city. And that's where this was discovered. <laughs> um, and, um, but now it's, it's, it's all over terraform planets on the UEE. So there is value mm-hmm. to a certain portion of the, um, settlement environment to these animals. And if you all saw the, um, the last, um, inside star citizen, the settlements, uh, inside star citizen. They talked about little farms and you saw little hoop houses, Mm -hmm. things like that. I can imagine this animal being part of that type of setup. Do you think this will be something that people will move around? Like literally a C2 that's got, you know, 40 of these things being transported as a mission? I'd love to see an, a, a livestock kitted (laughs) C2, right? I want to see like 40 razors in there uh, i want to hear them too <laughs> and clean up after them <laughs> after you get nah, them out of there that's when i hire an npc <laughs> well I, well again i i love this idea of you know them having value like you said in systems that maybe are you know there's they have to be self-sustaining in some form because they don't have the luxury of manufacturing or anything else um so hence why they have to have these skins for winter clothing you know again CIG drops these things. I know there's a lot of things that they they drop that they say, this is what we would like to do. It doesn't mean that we will see it. But the fact that they raise it, that these cows are not just for eating purposes, but also for being able to make clothing. And especially yeah. since CIG, which we're going to talk about in a little bit, is the fact that they're opening up more and more about crafting. That is another aspect that this animal's deliberately been bred for the purpose of having multiple functions instead of having multiple different type of animals. Here's one animal that has the best parts of several different animals in it, you know? Um, so yeah, I'm curious to see where they go with this. You know, I really am. Uh, we'll, we'll get to the farming area. We'll talk about that a little bit later too. Well, what's exciting is certain things have been, uh, talked about in lore and other things have been, you know, the, you beginning to see the art. Yes. Yes. For them. Yes. And when I, when I see art, that tells me something different about where it is in CIG's thinking. Yeah, absolutely. And cow tipping. Okay. <laughs> All right. Last <laughs> Breaking eggs at the same time. <laughs> yeah, <for real. laughs> All right. Why don't you hit this one? Last but not least. <clears throat> so this is the whip crab. And the whip crab is a term for a land predator living on a planet in the pyro system. So get ready. 
A concept of the creature was revealed in June 2020. The creature is covered by an exoskeleton and has four legs. It also has a pair of free movable flagella. Pyro crabs are bioluminescent. Pyro crabs living in hives and are, are controlled by queens. <laughs> Pyro crabs are able to mimic themselves as stones. <laughs> so be careful where you sit. I mean, this thing just looks like a horror to me, man. This is like a straight nightmare. It's dark night. It's there like, is, nope. Yeah. I mean, this thing is a straight nightmare as far as I'm concerned. I know there are going to be some people who just, they're, they're just licking their lips waiting for this thing to come in game. I'm going to tell y'all something. Y'all take my prediction. Get ready. Here's my prediction, BBG. This thing is going to kick everybody's butt. You hear what I'm saying? You're going to have to bring a lot of people to the party to take this thing down. I, I, I mean a queen. I'm talking about a queen. And right. the fact that they mention a queen tells me hive, right? And just not a safe thing to go after. Now, again, is this going to be something that if you're just out on a planet walking at night and this thing happens to burrow itself down because it's sleeping, you know what I mean? And you walk right next to this thing. You know, is it something that you can antagonize? Um, it says it's a predator, which to me says it's aggressive. I love the idea of, yeah, I love the idea of it owning territory. Mm. Right. Yeah. And so when you move through that territory, you made a mistake and the hive comes after you. Oh, right. I also like the idea of missions to your point where somebody says, we want to clear that territory for settlement. And that means we're going to have to go into these caves. (laughs) This cave systems that we built and you got to go get the queen <laughs> and getting the queen is an, an elite level mission, right? Uh-huh. It's like, you know, elite bounty hunting yeah. and, and everybody ain't going to be able to do it. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I definitely want, want that queen gameplay to be very, very real, <laughs> but yeah, I think that um, on, you know, and it says a planet in the pyro system. So it, it may be, it may be just one, right. um, but maybe not, you know, but, uh, I, I'd love to see like a territory, um, where other missions might be taking place, but, uh, his divine shadow. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you for shady face. Thank you. Powerful. But yeah, I, 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 I think, you, you know, there's a lot in the chat, like, uh, um, new soul is like, I'll take that mission. Yeah. You're all right. <laughs> you go find out. Yeah. That's the word, right? <laughs> you go find out. Yeah. We'll they, have name, to they, see. they ain't named whip crab for no reason. They're going to be whipping. Yeah. Yeah. The, and by the way, just so you'll know, they mentioned this on the, uh, the narrative team talked about that they're called whips crabs because of those appendages that come off of them. And we don't know. A lot of times appendages like that are for sensing and feeling, but they could also be a part of a defensive mechanism that we don't know. If you notice they're glowing on the ends and they talked about the bioluminescence of the creature. So you know, do you get an electric shock if that thing hits you or poisoned or whatever the case may be? Again, it's bad enough if one of those come after you, but as you mentioned, BBG, if that thing's actually like works like a hive where if the queen comes after you, there's a bunch of them coming after you. I'm telling you, y'all better bring 
Y'all better bring it if you go after this thing. Mind you, that's my prediction. You better bring it if you come after this thing. I don't think it's going to be pair, an easy takedown. There's a pair of flagella. Grip. Yeah. So you might take one out and the other one come out and whip <laughs> you anyway. A lot Rube, of people are going to get whipped up. I know. Rubadoops Rube, Rube, Rube said a prospector jump scare for sure. <laughs> You're out there mining and that thing show up, right? Yeah. Oh, my God. That's, uh, that's a scary thing. Okay. Uh, I wanted to answer, well, I'll, I'll come back to that a little bit later. Okay, so we're going to jump off that. Any other pets, any other type of creatures that you'd be interested in seeing come into the game? Yeah, I, I, I want to have pets that I keep on my ship. Okay. You know, like if I decide to live on the, um, the redone and remade beautiful origin 600i Explorer. Okay. Um, as any good star citizen would do with the origin brand. Um, I want to be able to have pets that, that, that abide with me okay. right? that I can take where I go. Now, the interesting thing about that is we know that vacuum gameplay, zero G gameplay, other gameplay is coming. Mm -hmm. right? So, um, Will these pets, will I be able to kit out these pets in undersuits and helmets? Oh, <laughs> or will they have to stay on the ship? <laughs> right. Or, yeah. you know, I don't want them to die if the ship goes to vacuum. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's something so, I think about. True. Maybe yeah. it's your, maybe it's your, when you've got your outpost or something, you know what I mean? And it's, it's, yeah. it's, I mean, people have said that they would love to have pets in the game, you know? And I think it would be cool to be able to have some type of NPC pet. You know, it's in your place or whatever. It stays within certain range of your place. Just to have that feeling of life around you, you know, which I think would be right. very cool. Um, yeah, taking it on your ship, though, boy, oh, boy, that's a, that's a risky prospect, depending on, uh, you know, <laughs> what you're doing, I guess. I don't know. Okay, let's go ahead and jump to this next category. And this was a broad one, guys, and we do want to hear your chats, your thoughts and chat on this one. We've got Invictus coming up. As you guys know, CIG has been dropping big hints to what's gonna be appearing in game. And some of you have been following Reddit and other sources. We do know that CIG, as always, uh, is working on stuff. Some unannounced things and some announced things. BBG, I'm gonna run a list of things. First off, let's talk about ships that we know about that we don't have, okay? The Nautilus, the Pioneer, the Kraken, the Liberator, the Merchantman, the Idris, the Javelin, the Expanse, the Odyssey, and the Endeavor. Is there anything off that list, based on what you see happening with Star Citizen right now, that you think could possibly come up based on the trajectory of what you see going on with Star Citizen right now? You know, PES, 318, we know the whole C is coming. That's why it's not on this list, because the whole C is scheduled for 320. Um, but is there anything going into 4.0, going into Pyro, that you think off this list could show up, or let's say at IAE in the fall, or Invictus? Uh, and before I go into that, in Invictus, we do know, I'm talking about off this list first. Let's just go off this list first. Nautilus, Pioneer, Kraken, Liberator, Merchantman, Idris, Javelin, Expanse, Odyssey, Endeavor. Any of those? So I think that the Liberator is a clear Pyro utility ship okay right if you all remember the anvil liberator allows folks to transport um troops and vehicles mm -hmm. right long distances mm -hmm. right um 
it comes as I, if I recall with the same QT specs as like military carriers, right? But tailored to the civilian market. So this idea of Cairo and the massive nature of the system, we, our jump point comes in the opposite side of where ruin station is. Yes. So you got a lot of folks who have spent $45 on this game who won't get to see Ruin Station without a Liberator. <laughs> right. Very true. So I think Liberator is definitely on the table. Um, By the way, excuse me one yeah. second. Death, Death. Uh, thank you for, for mentioning that because I forgot to put it on the list. Death Trooper mentioned the Polaris too. I forgot the Polaris. Okay. <clears throat> Actually, okay. Polaris and the uh, Perseus, right? Perseus too, right? Perseus is another one. So we'll say Perseus too, gang. We'll add those two. Sorry, thank you for that, Death, because I truly did forget about it. <clears throat> now I'm trying to stay away from my, what I want. Okay, got you. Got <laughs> and you. answer your question. Yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm focusing which, on definitely what we what see I trajectory. Think. Okay, let me, I'm gonna, yeah. let me back you up a little bit. If you guys see the advertisement over at uh, Invictus, one of the ships on the banner is the Liberator. Now, they could have picked a lot of other ships, but the Liberator is on that banner. Now, I'm not saying it's going to show up in Invictus, but I'm just saying. We talked about this a few weeks back also, BBG. They've been showing us the Kraken more and more. It showed up in trailers for the uh, Antares. It showed up in the trailer for the, what's the other ship? The, what's the variant of the Antares? The first one that came out. Scorpius. The Scorpius. It showed up when Jax went to Pyro and he came out at the Bruin Station. We saw the Kraken out there then. So to your point, it makes sense that we would see the Kraken in Pyro because as you mentioned, for moving ships, does that mean it's in line? I'm not saying it is, but I am saying that they've been showing it a lot more than they've shown any of the other ships that we outlined on that list. So- And it functions the same way. Yes. Right? Yes, it says it the same thing. It is a big ship and troop carrier. Yes, sir. Right? Yes, sir. So now, I'll give you another one that I think could show up and that's the Expanse. For refining uh to take mining to that next level um that could show up also i think between some point between now and 4.0 um there's rumors and i know y'all have already heard the rumors that the polaris and the banu merchantman could show up this, at the end of this year okay we just heard rumors y'all we ain't heard nothing else so but there are rumors well, we saw a lot of that. work before they truncated the conversation about it we saw a lot of work on the banu Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. We have not seen that same level of work to be fair on the Polaris. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we'll see, you know, that's what we're going to say about it right now is we'll see. Now let's talk about the ones that we do know. In well, Griff, before, yeah, before you go on, sure, Griff, sure. what about the Nautilus? The Nautilus was seen three years ago, believe it or not. Oh, no, it, it, there, okay. were, there were people who saw it. They, they, they said, oh, it's finished. Now, I don't know if that meant they just saw the exterior of it and it was in, you know, in engine and running. I don't know about interiors and all that stuff. Cause we know that part of the issue with the Nautilus is also dealing with the drones and stuff that they haven't put that out. And if the Nautilus came in the game right now, it would have no function cause it's very specialized and that you are going to be hauling cargo with it as a freaking drone ship. So there's no reason to put it in game. Uh, once we get drones in, there's a lot of stuff that can benefit at that point. The Vulcan can benefit, the Carrot can benefit, the Nautilus can benefit, Reclaimer can benefit. So drones are a really big thing, you know, for a lot of ships in the game. But until that happens, 
<clears throat> to me, there's no reason as much. And I got one. There's no reason to, to freaking put it in the game as far as I'm concerned. Would there be a mind laying functionality without the drones? Because the Nautilus is a mind. That's just extra work. Okay. What's going to drop them? I mean, if you're not using a Nautilus, I mean, you got to use a drone to retrieve them. That's true. You can dump them, but you can't retrieve. I mean, they can, you can just dump them. You know, if you just want to test that mechanic out, you know what I mean? That could be, and maybe there's just no retrieval until the drones are ready. They could do that. They gave us the, they showed us that, remember that they had a, remember they had a hangar flare that was the mine? Remember that? They right. gave us the, the right. <laughs> that big monster that was sitting in your hangar. I mean, they did give us the doggone hangar flare, you know? Uh, that's, a, that's a good point. Uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see where that goes. Um, Nexo Sue, thanks for following. Yes, thank you for the follow. Thank you guys for all the follows we get tonight too. We appreciate that. Uh, yeah, the reason I the reason the only reason I raised the Nautilus is because laying mines across a line is mm -hmm. a really strategic way to control space. Yeah, but you got to have and, a lot of ships to do it because it's three dimensional space. Right, right, <laughs> right. But I can imagine pyro being a lot of that back and forth of space control. Oh yeah, you know. Yeah, definitely. Okay, let's talk about the ships that we do know about. CIG just recently told us about the um, the new MISC line, the Miru, Mir, Miru, Miru, Mirai, Mirai. Thank you, Mirai. Mirai. And we know that the Fury is the ship that they're looking for. Some of you have already seen the ship. Uh, CIG showed it to us last week on ISC, and then they've also had pictures of it where it was at the. Uh, we know it's going to be at the Invictus. There's two variants of that. There's rumors of another, the Storm, which is also made by, <clears throat> excuse me, um, oh God, Tumbrel, a new tank. Oh yeah, Tumbrel. A new tank. It it looks like a light tank versus the uh, the Tonk that is out, which seems like a nice variation. Has a very cool look to it. If you haven't seen it, you just have to look around for it. But it is out there. Um, they have shown us the Argo several times. Um, they haven't said it's coming out, but it is in the latter stages of development. And so, the SRV, um, you mean? Uh, yes, the SRV. And the SRV, um, they could do like they did the Vulcan. Remember when the Vulcan came out, it wasn't ready to go, but it was on the show floor. So it could come out ready to fly. Then again, it could just come out as being on the show floor. I think that that has a good possibility of coming out BBG because of the issue with Rex in the game. If they put right. the SRV out, you'll introduce another level of gameplay where if you want to salvage, I can go pull Rex from, you know, planets. I could pull them from safe zones and stations and we can collaborate and work together. Where right now those Rex, there's nothing you could do with them once they're out there. So I think for gameplay, you'd introduce another level. And taking level. them to safe space. Yes, right. absolutely. And, and and now you've got a way to eliminate all this stuff that's floating around, right? You know, after there's a big battle somewhere, you've got salvage really being able to run in a cooperative way of cleaning it up. So I think that could come in. Um, there was one other something that was conjectured that was going to come into the game. Uh, was it Santok Yai? Oh, well, I don't think they're going to do that till Alien Week because that's right. They could that's right. do it for Invictus, but see, you Invictus is so UEE oriented. Reload. Thank you so much for that resub. Good Absolutely. To see you, buddy. Thank you. You know, it's such a UEE thing that to see an alien, especially with Alien Week coming within a month. 
I think if it's going to kick out, it'll probably be during Alien Week. It'll give them something else right. to sell. Right. Um, I don't know that Drake's putting out anything. Oh, the links. The yeah. RSI links could drop. Uh, I think it's yeah, scheduled. I'm almost sure is that it will 19? drop. Is yeah. that dro- will we see it or is it just dropping in 19? I think it's dropping in 19, right? I think I think it'll show up in Invictus. I've heard that people have seen it at Invictus. Okay. Oh, um, oh okay. Okay. But it's also um, yeah. They say it's on the floor. Robert Robert and Rule Ruler say that it's on the floor. So yeah. Okay. But I thought I knew it was coming when Jared was fixated on them wheels. Oh, yeah. Like, this is about ready. <laughs> this is about ready to drop. Okay. Well, they say it's in the Expo Hall, so that's that's great. Yeah. Right. That's great. So. Okay. Thank you, landscaper. Yeah. Thank you to those of you over on YouTube. Thank you guys. We know you guys are over there watching us. Thank you. Um, I can tell I can tell all y'all just want to look good because the Ursa Rover still got a lot more utility than the links, but y'all, <laughs> y'all loving this links. Y'all just want to look good and feel good. They're trying to roll. They're trying to roll. They're trying to roll the right way, brother. I get it. I get it. <laughs> okay. Um, as far as ships, let's hit this last thing because we're running late already. I told you the show was going to run long. Is there any type of ship you would like to see that? Because CIT, every once in a while, they drop that ship that we didn't think about. Is there some type of ship you would like to see come out? My focus really now is on the... (laughs) It's defined shadow said food. A food truck. Yeah, everybody uh, talks about a food truck, HDS. You're not far from what I'm talking about. Okay. It is that ship that is exclusively, it's like the um, the Argo Cargo, but mm-hmm. at a bigger level, mm. right? An in-system resupply ship, right? I can imagine a career where you are the guy, you don't leave uh, Terra or Nix or Stanton but you're in system and you're connecting entities back and forth. You just back and forth, right? Between uh, stuff on a particular planet, just back and forth. You don't need you don't need QT. Oh, okay. It's almost like long trucking. You know, right? That's interesting. And, and uh, for me, it's almost like mining in in that when I want to do relaxation gameplay. That's the type of gameplay I would do, right? Let me just take a session to to move stuff, move food, yeah, uh, get positioned. But it's really like in planetary system, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, we're also getting roads um, with some of the tech that that mm-hmm. is not the same as, but is a variant of the tech that gave us rivers, right? Right. right. And I'd love to see yeah, citizen shenanigans gets at it. A flatbed. I wasn't thinking hover flatbed, but that even makes more sense. Mm. Um, you know, some of this on-planet mm-hmm. um, vehicle activity. For transport, moving things around on planet. For transport. Yeah. Um, you know, we have a, a American truck simulator and European truck simulator. I want to get Hurston truck simulator. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hey, that's cool. I'm digging it. What about you? Um... I know this is an old hat that I've said before. I don't know if I'm looking for a different ship, but I am looking for, and I know y'all, y'all know I'd be joking when I say that time about origin, but I am looking for something that's amphibious. So mm. I'm, I'm looking for, and imagine there's no reason for it right now. There's nothing underwater for us to deal with, but I'm hoping that yeah. in time, right, right, in time, you know, I've always said that the 600i and the 890 are both, the 890 is definitely for me designed to be on top of water and the 890 to me is definitely designed to be able to go underwater. Um, 
first of all, would add greater value to those ships for what they're able to do, especially from a touring standpoint. Um, but outside of that, of course, there could be other ships that would do it as well. But I would love for them to, once we start populating water areas and things of that nature, I would love to see that expand further. Even if people just I mean, want to put a ship on the water. Front. The front oh, yeah. Oh, it looks like a like a hydroplane, right? Like a hydro thing. Exactly. I, I agree, you know. So, yeah, it would be really cool to, for them to come up with something that works that way. But, you know, we'll see. And then drop we'll down at, in that X1 and do some underwater exploration. <laughs> come on now. Yeah, don't get me started, okay? I'm trying to stay off my origin horse today. I really am, okay? All right, gang, we're going to get, get move through this because we got to cut through these other areas here. Um, we're going to look at a video here um, that talks about something that Dan Truffin talks about here. And uh, it's about races. And this blew my mind, BBG. You haven't seen this video yet, but he talks about what is it going to take if you want to transport other races on your ship. Let's take a look. Hey, for planning ahead, uh, this will be only dependent on the tools the players have. We want to give them the most basic tool, which is the Moby Gloss, to just check what is available in their room right now, but they might have access to some better equipment which gives them, they can scan two, three rooms ahead or look at the door and go, what's on the other side? That will help them choose whether they open a door, whether they don't. Also on the doors, the, the refactoring of the doors, we have indicators now that what the conditions are on the other side. You will always get the warning, there will be a red light if something's wrong on the other side. You will not be able to, uh, you will be able to, but it's your cons it's your problem if you just want to open a door to outer space. It's but the the, the game kind of gives you the information. It's up to you to whether you use it or not, and you will suffer the consequences if you don't. Work on the actor status system will not stop here. This will be a long ongoing process of adding multiple things to the conditions that can affect the player. We're talking here from small little things of basically getting poisoned from whatever's in the room to getting drunk, needing to go to the toilet, all of the little things that can affect the player temporarily. And then we can expand this to go even to stuff like long-term diseases and all kind of depressurization sickness, radiation sickness and all these things that won't be something that the player can get rid of instantly. They will have to go find a medical specialist in the game that can treat those things and that treatment might take a while. We'll have to see how we implement that, but the possibilities are pretty pretty large here. The an ultimate goal for the actor status system is to have the to have it support multiple races as they get introduced into Star Citizen and uh, will players will have to be aware that certain races breathe a different atmospheric composition when they enter their ships and their territory they need to be aware they cannot just remove their helmets and if they have to deal with these races as in transport them across the universe they have to cater for those races needs they can't just shove them in a place full of oxygen they might not like that they might simply suffocate or they might have adverse conditions to certain chemical elements that humans just love it needs to feel real it needs to you need to be aware of every little thing that's happening in in the in the world you need to be aware of this room might be completely depressurized that's depressurized that's why we give the player tools they have the moby glass app that they can use to check oh this has 0.1 poisonous gas, this does not have enough pressure, this oxygen is too much here, rather than just too little, and you might have 
uh, a hyperoxia problem if you breathe that for a lot of time. So it's, it's just players need to be aware. We give them the tools to be aware of the environment, but they need to check and make the tactical decisions and the good choices with the, that allows them to survive or not. So BBG, he covers a lot there about this Moby Glass, right? I mean, we're so used to the Moby Glass for pulling missions, right? Or picking, you know, what paint you want on our ship. But he's talking about the Moby Glass literally moving into a space of life and death, being able to check atmosphere, pressure, uh, you know, whether it's safe to go into another area, being able to scan. And we know that the Moby Glass is supposed to work like a like an apps, right? You're supposed to be able to have different type of apps for it in the future. So he's letting us know that this thing is going to be really crucial. It's not just this cool bracelet, right? To bring up menus. Uh, before we even talk about the racist thing, what did you think about him expanding on the Moby Glass? Well, you know, first of all, the um, I agree with Todd Pappy when he said in the most recent Star Citizen Live that the current Moby Glass needs to burn in hell. <laughs> because we've already seen renderings of the potential next Moby Glass 2.0. Mm -hmm. And it expands in the very areas that you and Dan in this video are talking about, mm -hmm. which is there's some stuff on there right now in your Moby Glass that refers to life support and things like that. But we don't really pay attention to that. We go on there to change paint, <laughs> right? We go on there to do that other stuff. This stuff is going to be central mm -hmm. now, right? And... What excites me about that is that ties into how I feel I should be experiencing life in space full of darkness and danger and death if you're not paying attention, mm -hmm. right? So this, this allows it to take us beyond do I have my helmet on, right? And get into am I prepared for the environment I'm in, the environment I'm going to, right? And how am I tracking that? And to your point, Griff, what apps, what different ways can I plug in stuff into my Moby Glass to allow me to maximize my chances mm -hmm. to be effective in a particular environment? So I am very excited about that. And, you know, other folks have mentioned it in, the, in the chat, but I love when Dan talks because when Dan talks, stuff gets done. Yes. Right? Yeah. Uh, he talked yeah. about mining, and mining is the most complex system right now in Star Citizen. Mm -hmm. Right? So I like when he talks about stuff because I feel like he talked about it, it's going to get done and it's going to have layers to this thing, mm -hmm. layers and levels. Absolutely. So, yeah, I'm very excited about that. Now, what are your thoughts about this whole thing of when you go into alien spaces, you need to make sure you can't take your helmet off or vice versa if you've got them on your ship, being able to accommodate them. That was a whole nother thing I never thought about, right? You know, being able to accommodate the Xeon NPC that gets on my ship or something, right? Well, it, 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 when we, when we fly alien ships with alien technology and we go into QT, we see a different QT, mm -hmm. right? And what that connoted to me was these folks live in reality a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. You referenced the reunion video earlier. That Banu is, in, is under glass, mm -hmm. right? So when we actually have aliens on our ship or when we go on to authentic alien ships, mm -hmm. I want this to be something that I have to remember, right? Mm. Now, I don't want to have to, to be frank, I don't want to have to like tweak my stuff each time. I want to be able to hit a Banu setting, mm -hmm. right? Or, you know, if we need to, for some reason, be out of our suits, I want to be able to hit some sort of mid setting mm -hmm. to dance that works for both of us. Mm -hmm. But if I'm in it too long, I get hypoxia, mm -hmm. right? 
And if the Banu or the Xi'an is in it too long, they get sick, mm -hmm. right? But we can have some middle ground for that period where we need to be out of our suits and breathing the ship atmosphere, yeah. right? Yeah. But the idea that this is going to be managed uh, plays right into how I feel about this game and, and, and the otherness that I want to experience and engaging with these alien races. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm super excited about that. You know, one of the things that we didn't hear them talk, we haven't seen yet, but they have talked about was pressurization and oxygen in portions of your ship, right? They've talked about being able to depressurize and things like that. And they've talked about the, and this, again, this always was blows my mind. Every time we think we know what's going on, and then you start to see CIGs thinking way beyond us as a player base, right? And now I understand when Chris Roberts said that the ventilation system on your ship actually works, right? So maybe that means that I have to vent out an area, right, for depressurization for tactical reasons. Maybe I have to do it because of the passenger that happens to be on where oxygen isn't what's needed there, but nitrogen is needed, right? Not to mention, we always focus in on the four or five alien races that we've talked about, but we also know, knowing Chris Roberts, there's some folks out there we're going to come across that we ain't even heard of, right? And we've got to mm -hmm. learn about. So all these things that are getting built into the game, we say, why are they taking so much time to do this? Or why is it like that? But now we start to see the bigger picture, right? He's sitting here talking about us transporting other races someplace, you know, and maybe they can't breathe oxygen where we are. I never thought about that as a factor in the game, you know, but so to me, like you. And to your point, they're building out the Genesis Starliner and more recently the Spirit mm -hmm. uh, transportation to think not only about human transport, mm -hmm. but you're going to have to be able to manage those pods mm -hmm. in ways for, for aliens as well. Whoever so, else, okay. Yeah, cool stuff. That'd be great. Yeah, cool stuff. Okay, let's hit, well, we, we're running behind. <laughs> let's go. Trooper said, bring out the Borg. Nope. <laughs> nope. let's talk about let's talk about farming real quick um we're i'm not going to go into crafting guys i know we could go down a whole another thing of talking about crafting we'll do that on another show but i do want to talk about because we're, we're you we've touched on this already uh bbg about how there are some cultures and systems that are going to be very different some very highly mechanized others that won't be um one of the things that I'm looking forward to, I'm going to drop a ship name that nobody talks about hardly at all, and that's the Starfarer. Because they expanded last year on the playability of the Starfarer. Most of us have looked at the Starfarer from two aspects, either one, refueling, or two, gas harvesting, right? We've talked about being able to go into a gaseous cloud and being able to bring in materials to refine and make something out of it. <clears throat> I think the third thing that people have talked about is moving things around, joked around about moving beer or water or milk, right? But CIG also talked about this, and some of you may remember this. They talked about it being a refining ship. And they made a reference, and they said, if you're mining with your prospector, that you could bring your resources to the Starfarer to have them refined. Now, what that said to me, was that I didn't, it didn't say quantanium. I don't think quantanium is the thing that they're talking about. But I am trying to figure out, because you know they've got the cargo hold in the back, right? And right. we've always wondered, well, why would you use a Starfarer to haul cargo, cargo right? right? I mean, it's a beast of a ship. There's other ships that are better and more capable. 
But what if that cargo area is for when I've been out prospecting and I got to bring those box, those bags in with material and now you're tractoring that stuff in and then that stuff goes into some form of processing on the ship. Now that ship, the Starfarer, takes those raw materials or refined materials to a mission location that needs whatever it is, right? Um, copper, whatever it is that's needed in some location. So now you've got a whole industrial thing going on. You know what I mean with the Starfarer now? Plus delivering some type of liquids or whatever. And we even did a show on the Starfarer where we talked about how the Starfarer has these square delivery cargo containers. You can drop those tanks and put cargo right. containers on it, right? So maybe that's what you're doing with it. There's a whole lot of other possibilities that could happen with the Starfarer, right? And so, well, and Citizen Shenanigans says in the chat, Starfarer is a refiner for QT fuel specifically, though. No, we saying no. We we believe that no. these nuances that J Griff is talking about means that the Starfarer is going to have broad functionality for refinement. Here's the deal: Starfarer pulls in gas for hydrogen, and in the that's the main thing from the front. Remember, Quantanium is rockstone, highly volatile. I don't think, and they and again. They didn't say quantanium. They said resources from your prospector. Now, I'm not saying it's not. Believe me, they maybe they will make it where it can process quantanium. Maybe they will. I don't know because we've talked about Starfarers being able to go with escorts and convoys. Maybe there's a way to, you know, somebody prospector or something gets that stuff and delivers it. And maybe it will. We know that the Odyssey will be able to, pro you know, process or, you know, ref refine quantanium. They didn't say the Starfarer could. All they said was resources, plural, which to me, I'm thinking anything other than Quantanium, but I could be wrong. I could be wrong, okay? Um, so we'll see. We'll see. My point is, it's an expanded aspect of what that ship can do. And the reason why I mentioned it about farming, BBG, to tie it in, is that now I can see the Starfarer being that delivery ship to rural places or places where there are new bases being built, things of that nature. It's got cargo pods, it can refine materials, and it can be a, a mobile operation at a place that is building out, where we're starting to build a base. The, a lot of people are up for farming in this game too. A lot of people wanna settle down on a moon or a planet, right? And do that type of stuff. I, what do you think? Do you think that's gonna be where there's some people who just literally, I ain't thinking about space, dude, just come down here and buy my materials because you need to buy this corn. I mean, what do you think? Absolutely think whether whether it is individuals who are who are connecting their resource development, right? That's what farming is, right? It's resource development mm -hmm. to the larger economy. Mm -hmm. Or there are um, orgs that have whole farming components mm -hmm. to them. The, the Griff, the most important company in Star Citizen lore is Grey Cat Industrial. Mm -hmm. People will say, why would you say that? And I would say, because they issued the Grey Cat Estate Geotac mm -hmm. planetary beacon. Mm -hmm. Four by four, or eight by eight, if you're lucky. <laughs> right? Right. And if you get an eight kilometer by <clears throat> eight kilometer tract, mm -hmm. right, people are going to want to, and I think CIG is going to facilitate a form of farming because they show some form of it in almost every settlement they develop. Mm -hmm. Right? And right now it's window dressing, but there's a reason why they keep coming back to it. They, when they first showed us pyro, mm -hmm. 
there were little agricultural components when they when they showed us the settlements just last this past week mm -hmm. there was there was agricultural components now how systemic how widespread how large an agricultural concern can you develop mm -hmm. i think if players express interest there'll be support for that but i think some form of farming no doubt will be part of what you can do if you have the right if you let if, if you put the, the beacon in the right place mm -hmm. with the right environmental conditions mm. that you will be able to farm and that will lead to resource development that you can then sell on in the economy i can imagine lots of people going listen monday through friday mm -hmm. i'm working this farm on the weekends i gather stuff up i take it up system right yeah and i sell it you know i pay out the uh the labor and the costs right and i live on the rest hmm. and people are going to want to do that i'm wondering whether or not will will the profitability of farming be something that is npc driven because that's what i'm kind of thinking i'm seeing that it's going to be you know you do, you know you make a certain amount of it you deliver it no different than any other resource right you deliver it and you know you get paid for doing that I'm trying to figure out the player aspect of it. Will players need to access any form of agricultural for some reason? Maybe they have to do it because of something else that they need. They need those materials for some other reason. You know what I mean? But I do see NPC-based stuff. You know, you get a mission that says water has to be delivered to this outpost somewhere. You know, something along those lines. And you can see it for food too, right? Deliver food to right. Terra Mills, you know, or some scientific outpost or something like that. I'm just yeah, curious to see where player, human player, human player need will be for it versus NPC driven, you know, player need. Well, one of the things I can imagine is, you know, when I think about the way in which CIG tends to get to your point, gets ahead of us. Mm -hmm. When um, planetary beacons drop, mm -hmm. it won't be just drop it and then do your thing. It'll be like when you drop it, there'll be some calculation as to the soil, the environment, oh, okay. it's gonna be real the specific. weather, <clears throat> right? Yeah. And that will generate a broad set of opportunities that'll be typical to a lot of different planetary beacon drops. Mm -hmm. But I could also imagine that some beacon drops in some locations will allow you to farm and generate rarer mm -hmm. product, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and that rarer product can generate that player to player interaction. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. Okay. I, I, I would be very, um, I would be very surprised if the farming mechanic, this is CIG we're talking about. I'd be yeah, very surprised yeah, yeah. if the farming It's not going to be just that cutting, cutting dry. Yeah, I get you. Yeah. It's right. going to be a lot more it's gonna be layered. Yeah. Much more layered. And like, again, I agree with you because they've talked about how environments are literally being fish fixed in with climate temperature when you know all this stuff is very real it's not just something that's put there cosmetically and will have impact so i agree with you 100 percent. that's good stuff good stuff okay guys we got one more we're going to check out one more actor status and then bbg is going to present some stuff to you guys we're going a little long tonight so bear with us but we want to show you this other part of the actor status system that was i thought pretty interesting okay this kind of became the birth of the actor status system which is a larger unifying system kind of brings together 
every little thing that can happen to the actor, to the player or to other characters. So we wanted that all the effects that appear on the screen, all, all the things that happen to him go through the same filter as we don't want them to conflict with each other. If we would have made separate system for, for every little thing that can happen to the player, let's say he's hungry or he's thirsty or he's affected by G-forces or he's out of breath, each of those would have conflicted with, with the other and that would have been a nightmare for all of us. So that's why we had to unify and this became the actor status system. So the actor status system in general attracts a whole lot of variables, things like exertion, you have stamina, of course, and that all ties into the room system, which has oxygen, but, you know, a room may not have just oxygen, has other things, you know, might not have a full pressurized atmosphere. So it's important for the UI to sort of communicate state of your surroundings are, you know, so uh, what kind of oxygen is present in your current atmosphere basically so if you go into an airlock and you know you depressurize then your oxygen tank uh, won't refill anymore or if you're on a planet with low oxygen or there's a low atmospheric pressure then you know that your oxygen tank probably wouldn't refill as quickly as it would in a regular atmosphere one of the big things that we that we track in the UI is it's basically an ECG graph, which is an indication of your stamina. So if you run up a flight of stairs or, you know, you, you sprint for a long time, then you obviously see your heart rate going up, your ECG graph getting a bit more intense. So then that kind of lets you know that you're exerting a lot of energy and you're maybe take a rest if it's getting too high. So it's very, it's, it's, it's cool because it's not like a exact value that you're seeing. It's a bit more indirect, which is kind of cool. And then, you know, it's, it's a nice visual in terms of the UI as well. This display on your mobile glass and we're also going to be displaying it on on the visor as well so i mean obviously in kind of a very important piece of information that you pretty much want to have most of the time and be available to you at all times so we have it in the hud but there's additional information on the mobile glass that we have obviously another good thing to know about actor status is what is the state of your surroundings so in your immediate uh atmosphere um because you know you can go in and out of rooms different planets might have different atmospheres, different atmospheric pressures, different atmospheric compositions. And that all affects how quickly your gas tank would refill. Let's say if you're running low on oxygen or something, you want to refill it. Or whether or not it's safe to take off your helmet or not. You can pull up your Moby Glass to uh, see, kind of like in that movie, The Martian, where it's checking his status. <laughs> okay. Let me bounce this to you a little bit here. Um... Some of you may have been around back in the day when if you wore heavy armor and you ran a long distance, your heart rate would go up, go up, go up, go up. And if you pushed it for too long, you had a heart attack and died. <laughs> um, and they, you know, they pulled that back. There's not a lot of impact in the actor status system right now, but BBG, you know, CIG put stuff in for testing, then they remove it, right? And a lot of times we think it's gone, gone, but the reality of it is, it's just gone temporarily. And, and as you mentioned earlier, CIG is saying this whole thing about going into rooms, oxygen, breathing, all that stuff is going to become implemented within the Moby Glass in the active status system. So I sometimes wonder if players are going to, if they weren't around back then and know that, whether they're going to really dig that level of complexity, for lack of a better term, when it finally comes into the game, where you don't have this unlimited stamina. Like right now, we do see it with armor. Light armor, you obviously can tell you're running faster. Medium armor's a little slower. Heavy armor's definitely slower. 
but that physical impact on our bodies has not completely come into the game yet. So what are your thoughts about that? Well, two things. One is if, if people aren't ready for complexity with all the star citizen, they need to get ready. Like that's, that's <laughs> what this is, right? This is that type of game. But two is like folks who have done, um, you know, military, if you've, if you've humped a pack a couple miles, you know, know that you go through the cycle of fatigue, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know that you go through the cycle of fatigue and recovery. And what's nuanced about and strategic about it is, you know, when you're moving in a combat scenario with heavy armor, I like that I've got to choose when I'm going to sprint, mm -hmm. right? That the sprint button isn't just on, right? And therefore I move with sprint. I've got to like choose that, yeah. right? Because I know that I can't sustain that. Yeah. Um, and, but if I choose lighter armor, then I can move quicker, longer, and it becomes a different strategy. So that nuance for me in terms of the actor status is great. I'd love to see additional components to what we track mm -hmm. that, that he talked about. You know, we, we obviously t track heart rate, we mm -hmm. track stamina, mm -hmm. um, we pay attention to, to whether we've eaten, whether we've drank water. Mm -hmm. um, I'd love to pay attention to whether we sleep. Um, I'd love to further, uh, thank you, Bruce. Bruce, thank you, bro. That's cute. Well, thank you, man. That's very nice. Um, I'd love to pay attention to, you know, when we have these, these multicolored canisters that we inject, mm -hmm. um, what the side effects and after effects are. Mm -hmm. I'd like to go deeper with that, but the, but the foundation is there for that. Yeah. Um, you know, this, this type of stuff is the nuance that I was looking for mm -hmm. in a game with this complexity. Okay. Let me give a shout out to ruler of the free world. Thank you for those five gift subs. I'm sorry. We missed that earlier when you dropped it. So thank you so much for that. I do want to go Absolutely. back ruler. Let me ask you a question. Cause you said something here that I'm curious about. I never wear heavy armor. I'm always a medium armor kind of guy. So I've gotten used to mobility in that. Are you saying that this is in game or that it should be in game? Cause what he said is throw on a rocket launcher along with heavy armor and you're slow. So any of you guys who are heavy warm armor wearers, please let me know um, if that is what actually yeah, happens. Is it? If you put on yeah, a, like a heavier game. gauge weapon, cause I don't know, I didn't know if weapon weight was in there. Yeah, you put on too much stuff on, on top of heavy armor and you can't even really go beyond okay. the trot that you can do at maximum, like walk before you click sprint. Okay. Like okay. you're stuck at that trot. Okay. Wow. Okay. That's good to know. That is good to know. Um, because I'm not one person to do all that, grab all that big stuff. There's certain weapons I always look for and that's all I carry. So I'm used to my weight being a certain way. So I didn't realize that that and I always unload my stuff. When I get on my ship, I unload it and put it in weapons rack. So I'm never fully loaded per se to be able to feel the effects of that. But I, but I am curious as to whether or not players will be, some players will understand that that's going to get even more effective. You mentioned earlier, gravity, a whole lot of other factors that are going to start kicking in with the game uh, that will affect the way we play in the game, you know, and will determine whether or not it's pro and con to take something with you or wear a certain item later on in the game. And we know what's coming is is armor for ships. Yeah. Detail and complexity there. Yeah. The detail and complexity of armor that we wear 
the fact that you're not going to be able to just jump in with heavy armor and a backpack full of FS9s or whatever and sit in your pilot seat. Yes, yes, yes. Right. And we need to talk about that, that too, limited inventories, right? Because they've told us right. that that inventory, even if we carry all this junk, th that's not going to happen after a while. It's going to be even more limited than what we have. That's a good point. And it forces strategic choices. It forces gameplay choices, yep. right? Yep. Um, I've got to predict yep. right, the environments that I'm going to be in this session, Absolutely. which is great. Absolutely. I like that. Absolutely. Okay. We're going to do one last piece here. I'm going to put this on BBG because this is some stuff that he submitted to me that I think is pretty interesting. Uh, it, w w w the challenge here was to talk about what has CIG shared with us of where they want to go. You know, we, 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 the, and for those of you who aren't here, we opened the show. We talked about the fact that we, we've had a pretty decent roadmap of where they wanted to go recently. They, we knew PES was at the top of the list of things getting done, the persistent entity streaming. We know that, um, uh, 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 what's it called? Um, oh God. Server meshing. We know they're going to work on the static server meshing. We know that they're working toward pyro. We know that they're working toward 4.0. That stuff we know. But some of the things we've been showing you guys is stuff that from 2012 all the way till now that we've seen presented in the past that CIG has told us this is what they want to do. And that's what this show is about today. Where do we go from here? Past the stuff we know about, what are some of those things from the past as well as other things that we think CIG or directions that CIG is going. So BBG is going to talk about this a little bit from a perspective of gameplay. So it's in your hands, bro. Yeah, so one of the things that struck me was that there was a um, there was an opportunity for us to think through how we're experiencing the game and how we could experience it, the game along the same models that we see in uh, human kinetics or, or sport endeavor, right? You can divide that into two pillars, right? The first pillar is really a power and performance model, right? And that model really relies on this idea of we experience most opponents as enemies, right? And some people would simplify this to, you know, are you are you experiencing the game in a PvP or a PvE environment, right? But it's a little bit more nuanced than that, right? Um, you know, the power and performance model um, is a model where, you know, we are focused on victory competition, the establishment of dynasties, big orgs. Um, your character is a machine. It's about records, right? And if we have the power and performance mindset, we're going to be looking at the lens of questions that Griff raises, like where do we go from here and what kind of game do we want? What kind of questions do we want to ask as testers and supporters of the project? It'll be a little bit different. Here's Divine Shadow, thank you very much. It's gonna be very different than a pleasure and participation model, right? A pleasure and participation model can accommodate a diverse collection of approaches, right? It, it, the idea is there, from a gameplay standpoint, we're competing with others. The game is enjoyable in and of itself, right? So when you see people go, I come in, just so I can go sit on a mountaintop and microtech and watch the sunrise, right? Um, the character is your healthiest self and there's a legacy of democratic cooperation. My argument um, when I thought about this subject tonight was that it's important for us to re retain that tension in asking CIG from a gameplay standpoint for a certain type of development so that there are power and performance opportunities and pleasure and participation opportunities all the time, right? So this idea here is that we want moments where we can go, 
I want to test myself. I want to see others test themselves. Who's better, who's best, who's faster, stronger, higher, more, right? What's the record for how fast somebody has gotten out of atmosphere or like that type of stuff, right? But then there's also, there needs to be space in the development for how do I come together with folks and it's not antagonistic? How do I come together with folks and not always worry that somebody's going to slip onto my ship and stab me in the back of the neck, <laughs> right? Right. Because, uh, and some people will say, well, that's just the game we're building. Well, there's an opportunity to build both, right? There's an opportunity to build both. Um, and my hope is that, you know, for those of you that played Eve and you can think null sec, low sec, high sec, right? There's an opportunity to be even more nuanced than that. And I raised this model because this is an analysis of the ways in which we can develop sport. And, and, and in a life that I spent working in sport, you find that governing bodies tend to just develop the power and performance side. And the pleasure participation side is left to the wider community. Um, it's important that if CIG is going to develop mostly power and performance uh, content that they leave space for us to develop pleasure and participation content and, and carve out space to do that. So that was sort of the overall context yeah. that informed my thinking tonight. Uh, I just wanted to share that out. Um, I think it's important that, um, that we, we make sure that we keep that tension in mind when we challenge certain pieces of development that we see and we go, oh, that's really just going to be for players who want to fight each other. Well, there needs to be a space for that. Mm -hmm. Right. And then when others say, well, that piece of development or that ship, that's that, that has no PVP function. That's okay too. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's gotta be okay as well. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I just, um, uh, you know, let me cut in real quick. It, it, it struck me that that model was so applicable to this moment. That's all. I, I want to say this is something I appreciate what you said is the fact that there's an opportunity to create both because quite often people dismiss the, the possibility even of can you create a game that allows for both to coexist? It either has to be one way or the other. And there's also some, you know, self-generated antagonism from each side, right? That talks about the other side. You know, if you're, if you're, if you're, if you're that participation pleasure person, you throw the hate on the PVPers and the griefers. And if you're a PVP person, you know, you've talked the care bears and it creates a subconscious tension that sometimes tries to say that it, can these two exist and both have the same level of enjoyment in what they do. And it takes work to create that, right? It's not, uh, it's not an organic thing. It definitely has to be created by both the developer as well as the community that's involved in it too. What is the state of mind of the community that steps in? Eve, as enjoyable as Eve is, Eve is for me, it was a bittersweet in space uh, environment. Me personally, y'all know I'm the dinosaur, right? As the old guy in the room, I'm tired of, no, I'm not gonna say that. I was gonna say I'm tired of fighting, but that's not what it is. I'm tired of the way we've been fighting. Maybe that's a better way of putting it. <clears throat> um, and, and for what the reward is, right, for fighting. You know, the rewards to me have become very shallow rewards, which often make it where you, they're so shallow that you always have to keep fighting because it's never deep enough to feel rewarding enough to feel like I can sit down and breathe for a little bit. Now, maybe that might be because of the structure of the way games have been, 
but I'm hoping that when I fight in Star Citizen, I'm really fighting because there's something I'm really fighting for, not just fighting because an opportunity to fight popped up. You know what I'm saying? Because that just can be generated any old way, but I want a reason for fighting. Maybe it's because we're defending our base. You know what I mean? Or maybe it's because, you know, there's some tension going on over here, not just because something's moving. You know what I mean? And that's my only reason for, for feeling like I need to go get my guns. Um, so, so can you talk about some of these ideas that you suggested here? Just kind of hit a couple of them for us so we can understand what it is here we got. Yeah, I mean, the idea of um, data analysis, right? Mm -hmm. um, the idea of, and we do some of this now in game, actually there are missions, missions now to place probes, um, scanning uh, more likely regions that give analysis. This, is, this was uh, for me like a gameplay loop that we can imagine for tracking jump points, right? Mm. Which we know is gonna be gameplay that is coming over the mid and long term mm -hmm. for, um, for Star Citizen activity. How do you do that in a way where everybody gets a chance to participate Right, mm -hmm. um, but the the experience is 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 nuanced enough um, that that it requires some work, right? And so, uh, you know, for me, Star Citizen and CIG is always managing a set of tensions, right? Mm -hmm. How do you make that type of experience, for example, possible at small scale for single players, and impossible at large scale without teamwork, right? Mm -hmm. Right, so. It, it, it demands, it, it, it says to the single player who comes into Star Citizen, there'll be things for you to do, but you can't do everything that's in the game. And you can't do stuff at that, at that scale. Mm -hmm. As a single person, you're gonna require some teamwork, yeah. right? Um, but that you're not excluded from doing certain things, right? So um, this idea of um, discovery and mapping, the idea of false jump points. CIG could populate false jump points right now, mm -hmm. right? Um, as they build out the, uh, the, the jump point framework, because and we know in the lore, there's a lot of jump points that don't go anywhere. They don't work out. <laughs> They're a problem. Mm -hmm. um, you know, bringing back discoveries to TDD or some form of TDD, the discovery version of TDD with the mm -hmm. data for credit, um, integrating new data into the community as a form of economic activity, mm -hmm. right? I need to hear that Nubifier, you know, welcome to the chat, by the way, that mm -hmm. Nubifier over, <laughs> over the way found this jump point with his team. And now that's a new pathway to Knicks or whatever. Mm -hmm. right? um, these are the types of things for me that can both have pleasure and participation values mm -hmm. and power and performance values. So the pleasure and participation might be the search mm -hmm. for the jump point right? A brand mm -hmm. new jump. Point. Right. The prior performance might be a org holding that space until the data is registered mm -hmm. because the first person to scan and register the data mm -hmm. gets it right. right? It's right. the money. So who's going to get the data back first. Yeah. And now you got something to fight for to your point. Yeah. Yeah. I'm digging it. So just one example. Yeah. These are great. These are great suggestions um, and ideas. And again, you know, CIG has a lot of ways they can go with this. And I think that, uh, as I said earlier, every once in a while, they, they freak me out. I think I kind of know where they're going and all of a sudden they drop something and it's like, whoa, I didn't see that coming, you know? And I'm hoping that as we 
we don't underestimate and I think we give them the room to create something different. I know it's, I know it's a struggle. You know what I mean? Cause we are all ready to bite at the bit cause we're ready to play it and we're ready to get into the verse at full steam. But at the same time, um, I really want something different. I want to gain this different. I want something that's going to keep me here. Not for six months, not for a year, two years, three years, but just like I played E for seven years, I want to play Star Citizen for 10 years, 15 years. You know, that's, that's where my head is in relation to this. So that's a cool, those are great ideas. I love it. I love it. It's good stuff. Um, so thank you for sharing that. BBG did some homework, y'all. He gave me a spreadsheet and a Word doc and all this stuff. I said, Lord, I'm just going to let him explain it because I'm not going to even attempt. <laughs> I'm not going to even attempt to try to explain this cool stuff that he's got down here. So thank you. Well, we, we will we will come back to it as we see the game. You know, there'll be moments where the game lurches in the direction of too much pledge and participation and not enough space for those that want to do some power and performance gameplay or the other way. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And to your point, I think that you made the salient point of the evening, which is it's both CIG and the community paying attention to that tension towards the end of delivering something new that hits at both communities very, very well, mm -hmm. right? That gives a great game to both communities because that's really rare. Yeah, it is. We see this as a rare project. <clears throat> it is, it is. Okay, well, listen, thank you. We are done. We have hit all of our topics. We got some Q&A though, I hate to say that. I think we've got a couple of questions in here, let's see. Oh, it's only two, so we can manage that. Uh, no, that was from 10 days ago, so I can get rid of that one. We got one. Um, Zizura, Zizura, please forgive me for saying your wrong, name wrong. Zizura says, what's the size of the whales, the space whales? One kilometer, five meters. They are 100 meters long. So they're pretty big, if I'm remembering correctly, 100 meters. So it's what, 300 feet? Something like that. Uh, pretty decent size. Uh, they're not a kilometer long, though, because that would be the getting near the length of a, a, a what's the thing called the ship, the Bengal carrier, in the it's Bengal, Bengal carrier. carrier. The Stormwall is a big. football field long. Yeah, it's pretty big, big enough that, like you said, you don't want the tail to swatch you if you're in your Pisces. Let's just say that. Okay. Okie dokie. All right. Well, listen, thank you guys for hanging in with us. I know we ran over tonight. We almost well, but we're almost thirty minutes over. But thank you guys for hanging out with us tonight. As yes, always, indeed. we want to tell you guys about our merch. You guys, if you want to continue to support us, uh, feel free to check out our merchandise. The links are in both the YouTube page and the Twitch page and even the Kick page, I think. Uh, so check that out when you get time. Um, want to thank all of the people who subscribed today, who followed today, who uh, donated today. Thank you guys so much. We are going to be leading up to Invictus uh, in a couple weeks. And you guys know that's one of our bigger shows that we do. And we do plan to do some giveaways. BBG, I got to tell you something special that's coming up. <clears throat> Pardon me one second. Believe it or not, BBG, this Thursday coming up is our 100th episode of Soul Talk. We have tortured the Star Citizen community with people looking at FastCart 100 times, okay? <laughs> we It has been a 100 times, a, a was it a, was, it's not a centennial, but it's 100 times that we have tortured our community uh, with fast cards. So you guys have got to show up uh, on this Thursday, 9 p.m. Eastern time to congratulate fast card. He's been very faithful with doing that show um, and, and been a great host and having a great time with the round table of 
community folks that come and sit with him every week uh, to talk about Star Citizen, talk about what's going on that week in Star Citizen. So that's going to be next week, BBG. So we got to, you know, carve out some time for that. And I think we'll do a giveaway of some type. For the 100th show, we got to do some type of giveaway. There's no way we cannot do a giveaway, right? Uh, That's right. Maybe, me, maybe a 100i for 100 show. For oh, 100 show. you want to give away an origin ship? Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Yes, we could do that. Uh, why don't you tell people I about... I mean, the more people we bring in the community, the better. There, I, I agree. I agree. Tell everybody about Saturday. What will be happening on Saturday? So Saturday at 3 p.m. is Soul Voices. And this is when you and the community can, can speak, right? So Griff really uh, minds... Uh, the, the community conversation, be it on Spectrum or Reddit or other places, and brings powerful insights to the table for you to get on the mic, join us in Discord, uh, and share out uh, what's going on with your thoughts and opinions with regard to those subjects and other things. So that's Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern. We're part of PodSat Saturday, which includes uh, Astropub, mm-hmm. Uh, who happens, uh, I think, six starts at 6 yeah, o'clock 6 that Eastern. evening, and, yep. then, mm-hmm. and then Relay is at 9 o'clock. So um, we're a whole community that goes all day. So what you do is you put us on at 3, <laughs> you know, and you, you know, you're doing your thing on Saturday, but you got us in the background. And then when we say something that you think don't make any sense, you jump <laughs> in the Discord and let us know. Um, so, yeah, Soul Voices, Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern. Absolutely. And next Sunday, BBG, I don't know if I've even explained what this show is about next week, but it's the FOMO show, the fear FOMO. of missing out. And I, it's just funny that we're doing that show the week before Invictus. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, people have accused Star Citizen of, of people who support Star Citizen of FOMO, that they are just so afraid of missing out. That's why we just keep spending money. But the question becomes, even if Invictus isn't coming up, why do we continue to spend money? Even though, how many times do we swear at BBG, I'm done, I'm done. I'm not buying nothing else, right? I mean, how many times have we made that statement only to, yeah, go out and buy the Fury, the Miss Fury? (laughs) It it depends on the proximity of my wife. (laughs) Is that what it is? When she's right here, and she's right there. Yeah, uh-huh. I'm done, baby. You're done. done. Okay, well, fair enough. If that's what it takes, you know, if that's what it takes. Well, we are going to be talking about that next week. So, uh, for those of you who have uh, need to go into rehab because you just cannot stop spending, you can come to the show next week and see if we have any solutions for you. If you are stuck on that, uh, what's it called, the CCU game. Mm. <laughs> Maybe you could come and learn something there for that too next week, okay? But that's going to be our show, Fear of Missing Out. So hopefully you guys can join us for that, okay? Uh, Once again, we want to say thank you to everybody who came out. BBG, thank you for holding it down today. Two-man show. We held it down. We went over longer than when we had four people here. So we got to get disciplined. I don't know. We just, we went, we had no other people here. So we just went crazy. Uh, Thank you guys again. Griff, you and Fastcart are why I'm in this community. I'm thankful to be here, and I'm really excited to see other people stay with us and join with us. Yes. Um, this is this is the community to be in, um, so I'm just excited to be here. This is great stuff, and, and 
I, I look forward to coming on again at some point. Absolutely. Well, thank you for being here tonight. And thank you guys. All, you know, we have a great community. That's all I can say. We've got great supporters. Thank you guys for all the interactions and chat today, too. You guys gave us some great ideas and great things to talk about. We are going to send you guys over to Star Jump Ender. You guys know that Ender is a part of the Star Jump Station team, but Ender is also the person who handles their uh, doing uh, fundraising. And he's got a big thing going on with St. Jude. So we want to ask you guys, Infinite Sam, thank you for following. We're going to send you guys over to Ender when you get there. Let them know that you came over from the Soul Citizens. If you like them, follow them and uh, support them. Support them if you can, okay? And we'll look forward to seeing you guys this week, Soul Talk Voices, or next week for Fear of Missing Out. Till then, as always, peace, love, and soul. We'll see you guys soon. Have a great weekend and happy Mother's Day again. See ya. Happy Mother's Day. See ya.